0: This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus.
1: Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to a clinched edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you. I'm coming to you from downtown Toronto. Michael Remus back at WSD HQ in Winnipeg. And get the whites out, people. The playoffs are back in Peg City. The Winnipeg Jets in game number 81 of the regular season clinched the final wildcard spot. And we're going to have playoff hockey in Canada Life Center coming up in just over one week's time. Cannot wait to talk about it with all of you as well as with Michael. And in addition, Murata Tesh coming up a little bit later on on the program as well. And. Ted Wyman's going to jump on to the show in the second hour. Get Ted's thoughts on everything going on around the Winnipeg Jets. And might even get Ted's thoughts on what's happening here at the Grand Slam of Curling. Of course, uh, Ted being the national curling writer for Post Media, I know all over it. Had a great time going back and forth between the uh, venue at the old Maple Leaf Gardens. Now at TMU, uh, Toronto Metropolitan University which most people remember as Ryerson just down the block and tomorrow's show and Friday show, we're going to be able to pull it off live from the venue. And um, of course, maybe get a few of the curlers on at some point, but more than anything, we're going to be uh, counting down to the beginning of the Stanley cup playoffs coming up on Monday as the jets wait to find out whether they'll be playing in Las Vegas against the golden Knights or against the Edmonton Oilers, two teams, which they have some recent playoff history against the good playoff history, the sweep of the Edmonton Oilers back in was it? 2020, the not so good. They lost to the Vegas golden Knights, a loss that still sticks in the crow of many Winnipeg jet fans. And I'm sure people in the organization wouldn't revenge. Nice be against the team from sin city. So uh, we're going to break it all down. Lots to come. Welcome to everyone that's with us right now live on YouTube. If you haven't already, make sure you hit that red subscribe button and join us Monday to Friday, 1 o'clock p.m. Central, live on YouTube. And. Of course, Winnipeg Sports Talk is also available on all your audio podcast platforms. Just put in Winnipeg Sports Talk and subscribe wherever you get your favorite pods. Always in your inbox right around 3.30, just in time for the ride home from work. All right, just before we get Remo in here, got to give a big shout out to the sponsors that make this show happen. Of course, our friends at Princess Auto, who are the presenting sponsors of this Big Players Championship, at the Grand Slam of Curling. Our friends at Cool Bet Canada, as well as Modern Man Barbershops, Aquatech, Manitoba Battery, Canadian Club, Vita Health, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Consolidated Supply, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, Breezy Bend, Golf & Country Club, and Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. We'll also get to a why not question of the day for our friends at Not Autocorp. And you know what? Just even before I bring Michael Remus in, I'll hit you with the why not question of the day. Hit us up in the chat or in the comments. As of right now, we don't know who the Winnipeg Jets are playing. Jet fans, who do you want in the first round? On one hand, you've got the Vegas Golden Knights. On the other hand, you've got Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers. Let us know and let's uh, get Michael Remus in here. And Remo, it's been a long run, maybe longer than most people thought in the middle of January, but the bottom line is Connor Hellebuck and the Winnipeg Jets got to the finish line. What a game last night. A lot of bad blood between the Jets and the Minnesota Wild. And I got to say, on the ice last night and in around Jets fans, it's starting to feel like playoff time.
2: Oh, yeah. What a feeling it was Um that, you know, the Jets getting out to the lead, scoring the first goal, which they hadn't done so much here um since January. And... You know, having two nothing after the first, even though you're outshot, Connor Hellebuck playing absolutely out of his mind. Connor Hellebuck said, "Look, guys, I really want to have the day off Thursday. Let's take care of business tonight, and we're gonna win." And he stood on his head there in the third period, uh, making diving saves. Um, the t- you know, the one, the other tip save where he didn't have the stick. I thought was absolutely incredible. The puck just kept bouncing around the crease, and it wasn't going in the back of the net you know it, was, it got pretty close there 2-1 you know that was basically a 2 goal lead. the Jets just need to get overtime so when they were up two nothing it was a, it was essentially a three-goal lead for them they needed the point and not only did they get one they got two uh, Mason Appleton you know putting the exclamation mark with his second straight game with a goal uh, was awesome to see and that I think that uh, what you know we've listed as the third line the Lowry Appleton Niederar line well that was the second line uh, lately, they get played in the key situations. They're putting the puck in the back of the net. So that was awesome to see. But wasn't awesome to see. Or maybe it was, but uh, the bad blood between these two teams, I didn't really didn't like the Hartman hit. We're going to get into that. I'm kind of going off on everything here, but
1: there was uh, a lot of bullshit the, in the third period. I think yeah. we can all agree on that. I mean, the Hartman hit on Nikolai Ehlers absolutely incensed the Winnipeg Jets. And I fully get that. I mean, Nikolai Ehlers did not have the puck. He never had the puck in this situation, wasn't close to the puck. And Hartman dished it off and then absolutely smoked him with, I mean, again, I I was watching it on a stream on a smaller screen, but certainly looked like it was pretty darn close to a headshot. It certainly was interference. And Ryan Hartman has a hearing from NHL player safety for that. I mean, we know NHL player safety. I thought that there was going to be a nice little, collection of $2,500 fines given out. Neil Pionk did actually catch a five grand fine for the cross check he had on Johansson at the end of the game, which, and again, listen, take it for what it's worth. I think you all know what side of the fence that I'm on here, but considering what Ryan Reeves was up to and they hit on Ehlers, I can't believe that the one major they actually gave out was the one on, was the one Neil Pionk. Was it a penalty? Absolutely. Um, did it garner a major and the others minors? Uh, absolutely not. And I mean, the fact that Nino Niederreiter took a penalty coincidentals against Ryan Reeves. Uh, listen, I didn't get it at all. It seems like the uh, the referees, and like I'm not bash the refs guy, uh, but they lost control of that game. Uh, it didn't have to get to that point. I'll tell you what, Reem, I was as pissed off as I've seen Rick Bonus at the end of the game. But in some ways, as long as, Fingers crossed. Nobody's hurt from all of this. Those are the sort of games that can bring a team together. We haven't had a ton of that for the Winnipeg Jets this year. And right now, with one game left in the regular season, getting ready for either the Oilers or especially the Vegas Golden Knights, the Winnipeg Jets are going to need to be ready to stand up for each other come playoff time. And uh, I thought they did a pretty good job there uh, last night. sure there was many um, Winnipeg Jet fans that wished that maybe Brendan Dillon um took more along the the ethos of the Minnesota wild and didn't hold up when he could have beat the hell out of Ryan Hartman and had him down afterwards. That wasn't the case, but um, listen, the Jets were angry, and then Ryan Reeves getting thrown up with twenty seconds left in the game. I mean, you you saw Rick Bonus say it to to Dean Evison across the benches. That was Bush League. um but once again, I mean the heart and soul of this hockey team, Adam Lowry. You just mentioned how great the line has been doing everything they're doing on the ice. He did it one more and stepped up for the second time in his career against arguably the toughest guy in the National Hockey League, held his own. And um, I had to tell you, you don't like to see it, but I think that there can be a lot of good coming out. This team is feeling together. That's exactly what they'd be. They didn't look that way for a long part of the second half of the season. They're winning hockey games, they got it there themselves. They didn't count on the National Predators losing to someone else and uh, uh it sets up basically a nothing game on Thursday and a game that means everything on Monday or Tuesday next week on the road. Oh yeah. So uh again last
2: night Adam Lowry has uh what well, he scored the opening goal he played 18-19. I mean that that line uh, Appleton 18-16 Niederrider 16-04 part of it was because there were so many penalties and showed to the Jets penalty kill that has been great all season. They went 1-4-5, allowing the one power play goal. The Jets' power play uh, was 0-3. So, you know, they you thought they had got back on track, but not looking so great. And just for Adam Lowry, he went 35 games without a goal. Uh, but in his last 12, I mean, when the games have mattered, and I'm going back to the game against Nashville where he scored. That was it. Um, where he scored. Uh, he's got 9 points in 12 games, 5 goals. And then he went 35 games in the middle of the season. Without a goal, where he did have nine assists, so uh, he is a guy. We talk about guys needing to step up. He is a guy who stepped up. Mark Shifley the last couple of games, uh, scoring his team leading, team leading goal, and uh, his career high for him as well. Was that forty two so, last night? Uh, yeah, it was it forty? Yeah, I think it was forty two. So uh, I keep mixing up forty one. I keep making mistakes here on this, but so I don't really. I don't want to, <laughs> yeah. but, I tweeted out, you know, I tweeted out uh, Pionk's hearing and I like I wrote on our Facebook, Winnipeg Jets forward Neil Pionk. So that's I just doing so much. But yeah, 42.
1: (laughs) Now you're now you're gun shy to make any any statement after calling Neil Pionk a forward. I think we knew that you uh, knew that he was a defenseman. I knew. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. The minute you do that, the minute you do that, you're just feeding the rabid reply guys of social media. Oh, that are falling I, over themselves to inform you that Neil Pionk is a defenseman. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, tips. Uh, yeah, you know. well, I've done, I mean, I've done, I've done,
2: I've, like, I've made graphics where I didn't change the score from the previous game. People will correct me on the score. So I just, des- I definitely deserve it, but um, I don't double, I guess I don't double, you know, getting ready for the show. I have all these clips from last night ready. I have, like, notes and you know, when uh, the hearing news, I'm like, got to get that out. And I guess I wrote that he was a forward, and cor- quickly corrected it. <laughs> but uh, you got to be be careful here.
1: Um. Uh, anyways, listen, this is um, and we're gonna get to uh, hearing you know from the Winnipeg Jets from Rick Bonus. We'll even hear what uh, Dean Evason had to say after the game with a couple uh, when he was asked uh, about all the nonsense in the third period. Um. But before we get to that, and uh, as I say, Murat and Ted coming up a little later on, I'll say this, Remo. It, it, in some ways, it's too bad that the Jets are in the wild card spot that is going to put them through the specific division. Because can you imagine a playoff series between the Minnesota Wild and the Winnipeg Jets if that's who the team was potentially going to play starting in a week? Um, Rivalry is definitely back on. It may have cooled off a little bit over the last couple of years since the team met in the playoffs. Um, But that team is tough. I mean, they have a lot of their general manager and their head coach in them. And, you know, for all the questions about what the Winnipeg Jets were made of over the last few months and really the last few years. I got to tell you, I I really do feel like, um, you know, that might have been one of the best ways the team could have possibly clinched their playoff spot to get ready for the playoffs beginning next week.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, they're look, they had this homestand, the schedule worked out where they had a lot of breaks. You know, we talked about Hellbucks starting back to backs, didn't look fatigued yesterday. Hustler. And I think the, the spacing of the games, I mean, there are a lot of two day breaks. Um, you I know, almost want them to play
1: him on Thursday, just, just to keep it going. He's not good. Yeah, Let him decide that that's, that's my take. If I'm Rick bonus, Let him decide, although they're going to say, Connor, take a night off 13 in a row. You got us to the finish line. Don't worry about it.
2: Yeah, the way they've played, um, you know, coming together, especially last night, it is too bad. They don't get to play the wild in the playoffs, but I don't think you're really caring. They're in the playoffs. The overwhelming fan, you know, viewers voting the poll, 83% want them to play the Golden Knights instead of the Oilers, but I think the way that they've played, um, I think you got to feel good uh, about the way they're playing. And, you know, the beginning of the season, you know, it's, it's they ultimately ended up where we thought that they would. Um, you know, it, just on the fringe of the playoffs, grabbing that last wild card spot, and that's kind of where we had them in the preseason. However, the road—if you had like a graph of where they took to their play—I <laughs> mean, it goes up and then it goes all the way down, like your emotions. It's just been such a roller coaster of, oh, this team is so good. And, oh, man, they've been one of the worst teams uh, for two months in the league. But they're in. I mean, their goal differential looks solid on the season, plus 24. Um, You know, they have 46 wins.
1: The the record's really good. I mean, say what you want of what happened in this period or this period. If you told anyone that this Winnipeg Jets team was going to go out and drop 46 wins on the season, and get what, what? what's their points now? Did they get to what 95 with the win last night? You have in front of you, uh, they have 95 points. I mean, overall,
2: it, like you have to think that this is a six, this was a successful season for the Winnipeg Jets on the ice, but just the road that they took to get there made it so <laughs> excruciating. And uh, but they did it, they made the playoffs, and um, you know, you would have to wonder, you. Would have liked to have some of that home ice if possible, but they will not. They will not. And we'll go on the road to play either Vegas or Edmonton. So we'll be keeping an eye on that.
1: We might be the biggest beneficiaries of the Jets season, the way that it all happened too, because, yes. you know, in, in this business, I mean, you know, my first boss always told me in uh, in sports media and shout out to Chris Brooke. I mean, things are really hot in this, uh, in this routine, when things are going really, really good or actually really, really bad. Um, you know, just a middling team that you pretty much know what's going to happen. That's not that doesn't really generate a lot of excitement or get new people in here. Uh, this has been the exact opposite. Of that is just as you described. I mean, a first three months of the season, way beyond everybody's expectations when there was a lot of negativity around the season, the, the, the team. And then just as they pulled all those people back in that may have been you know, for whatever reason, you know, not really, not really believing. Um, then it was deja vu to some really disappointing ends to previous seasons. And all of a sudden it looked like this team was going to author the biggest collapse in NHL history for a team that was in first place in the conference in the middle of January. So Listen, it's made for a lot of fun shows on Winnipeg Sports Talk, Um, some frustrating shows on Winnipeg Sports Talk as well, a ton of great action in the chat, and thanks to all of you that have been with us throughout the entire season, but the bottom line is that uh, this team is in the playoffs, and I'll say this, Reem, uh, for, uh, for everyone patting themselves on the back for calling the Jets making the playoffs, let me give a little applause to some people and a personal Barry Horowitz to people that actually called it at the beginning of the season. And I got a few messages and I'm sure I'll get a few more. Let's not forget the Winnipeg Jets were not picked to make the playoffs and follow the money. Cool bet and the rest of the books had them as a significant underdog to make the playoffs. And we're cashing those tickets at plus 160 for the Jets futures to be in the postseason tournament. And I'll tell you what, they're going to be a similar underdog uh, against either Vegas or Edmonton when the playoffs start next week, but overall this has been um, it's been a really really fun season, and uh, you know what we're going to talk a lot about the players, but we're going to hear from the head coach. How about the job that Rick Bonus has done? Um, I, I, when you think of what he was thrown at with at the start of the year, um, the way that he seemingly got the buy-in from the club. And then the way things sort of fell apart and all the buttons that he pushed, some worked, some didn't. Finally, in the most desperate time of the season, taking your number one center and moving him to the wing, bringing up Nemetstakov. And listen, credit to Kevin Shevoldayoff for those two trade deadline moves as well. Uh, This team is not where they are right now without Nemetstakov and Nito Niederreiter. And then a bunch of other players stepping up, led by Connor Hellebuck. Uh, We got playoffs right now, but. um, Special shout out to everyone that uh, cashed those tickets, and uh, who knows if you're going to decide that if you want to let it ride on a first round upset in the playoffs, we'll talk about that once we know who is going to be uh, coming to. Well, uh, who, where Winnipeg's going to be going to uh, to start it off? Listen, we're going to get to some of these clips, and as I mentioned, Barat's going to be with us in a few minutes um, before we do head to some of the clinching audio from last night. Got to thank Modern Man Barbershops for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Modern Man now has eight locations in Winnipeg with the newest locations being Pemina Highway, right close to the university by Bishop Grandin or Plessy Road. Modern Man Barbershops offer a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Book your look at an appointment via modernmanbarber.com and certainly give them a follow on Instagram at Modern Man Barbershops on IG. And, hey, hit up a resume to info at aurahairgroup.com if you're looking for a, a spot to ply your trade, if you've got skills with the scissors. Um, folks, it is hot here in Toronto right now. I know it's a real nice week uh, week coming up in Winnipeg as the, uh, the snow melts. Let's start thinking about summer, never mind spring. How about making 2023 the year you take the plunge? Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And, I mean, there's no bigger reno to your property, maybe, than a new pool. How about, though, a home renovation starting with Aqua Tech? They have Thousands of rentals is their foundation. Let AquaTech upgrade any space in your home. If you're looking to finance, their team can provide plans that suit you. AquaTech is ready to make your rental dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. Hey, if you're in the need for a battery for your car, your truck, or even that summer toy you're working on right now, Manitoba Battery, we know, is the most convenient and well-priced option in the city, and they will bring it to you. Order a battery at lunchtime or heck, by the time a Winnipeg sports talk starts, you'll be sitting on your doorstep in two to four hours for less money than you spend anywhere else in Winnipeg on the same battery. No more fighting for a parking spot at Costco or waiting in line in Canadian Tire. Shop local and let Manitoba Battery bring the battery to you at the best prices in town. Donnie and his staff are waiting to help you out at 783-8787. Order online at manitobabattery.com or give them a visit at 1026 Logan Avenue. And, you know, I had had very little sleep with that 5 a.m. flight yesterday. I struggled to stay up throughout the entire game. I wasn't able to catch Kenny and Rennie or uh, the IC guys or anything happening after the game. But I will say this. If I had had some of Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, I would have cheers the Winnipeg Jets and maybe had a shot to celebrate. We'll save that for the playoffs and the parties coming up in a week or so. But Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey is also the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and a WST. You can pick up Canadian Club at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. And don't forget Canadian Club and Ginger Ale now available in 473 milliliter cans at at, at Liquor Marts and at beer vendors throughout the city. Um, all right, Remo. I was just talking about the jobs that Rick Bonus did. Uh, not a lot of people thought that with basically the same personnel that this team would be much different from last year. Um, as we've kind of gone through, there was a real roller coaster of the season. But they've mission accomplished for the first 82. Um, let's hear from Rick Bonus, the man that guided the Winnipeg Jets through all of these ups and downs, and uh, his thoughts on getting his team into the Stanley Cup tournament.
3: Because. We're just- I give the guys a ton of credit because things weren't going very well for us for a while, and we dug out ourselves out of a hole. We found a way to get on a winning streak, and uh, so you give the players an awful lot of credit for that.
4: What does that do for a team going into the playoffs? Uh, the win. Like
3: that feeling of getting through the adversity? Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. We, I know people had written us off there for a while. and We just fought through it. Every team that gets into the playoffs at this time of year and you're in the bottom end, you've got to fight through some adversity. You've got to fight through some second guessing. And that's fine. That's all part of our business. But, again, give the players full curve marks because they uh, they stayed focused on the on the process of what we had to do, game in and game out, to get us into the playoffs. So good for them.
1: All right, there's Rick Bonus, And I, I love the, the question from Ken there. Um, again, I mean, I think that, you know, what this team went through in the final couple months of the season and the way they had to climb out of the situation they dug for them and then playing in a situation like we talked about off the top of the program and really coming together physically against a team like the Minnesota Wild um, might actually put them in even a more dangerous position as a big underdog against whether it is the Vegas golden Knights or the Edmonton Oilers coming up in the playoffs, by the way, thanks to Stan Scott for the very generous super chat, greatly appreciate your support, Stan and shout out to everyone in chat. Lots of people here again, no surprise hit that red subscribe button, join us daily throughout the playoffs and into the off season and tell a friend about Winnipeg sports talk where, uh, where you can Um, a little bit more from bones. This team, we all know, um, is not where they are without the brilliance of Connor Hellebuck, who they rode 13 straight times with the season on the line all the way to the finish line. Here's what Bones had to say about his number one.
3: Well, he was an outstanding performance by him tonight, clearly. Um, I thought we were very nervous to start the game. (laughs) and <laughs> yeah, we couldn't make a 10-foot pass. But as the, the second period, we got our legs going. Uh, we played much better in the second than we did in the first, and then in the third, they got that early power play goal, which you know gave them a lot of life, and then uh, we were on our heels a little bit. But that's when you need your goalie to make the timely saves. And then Appleton's goal, clearly, they talk a lot about timely goals. That's about as timely as they get.
1: All right, Bones dropping a few of his... Uh his favorites, timely saves, timely goals. They got them both, but um, I mean, uh, I could just sit here and talk about Connor Hellebuck for the next 90 minutes of the program. We won't do that, but make no mistake about it. He is the backbone of this team. Um, let's, uh, one other thing from Bones that we do need to get to. Um, there was that cheap shot on Nikolai Ehlers by Hartman. And um, Ken, I believe it was Ken asked, or maybe it was Jeff, but uh, asked about Ehlers' Status uh, as he didn't return to the game after that hit in the third.
3: Yeah, well, he's going to be reassessed right now. We'll find out more a little bit later. What would you think of him play itself? Uh, he's in a vulnerable yeah. position. He is. Uh, and you hate to see those hits. Um, yeah.
1: All right. So, reevaluation for Nikolai Ehlers. And Ehlers is another guy. And Remo, I mean, I still think back to that St. Louis game. Um, really at, you know, one of, if not like right around the low point of the season. And, um, this team had no life at the time. There wasn't a lot of energy. And speaking of some of the fisticuffs that we saw last night, I mean, Nikolai Ehlers, I'll always remember that standing up and fighting Shen of all people and taking some serious, like taking some major shots. You know, when you have that sort of buy-in from a player that that is not their game. Um, I think it shows how much he cares. And, you know, I, I, that was a great example of, you know, some of the players that don't normally do that, trying to step up and trying to pull the team out. And, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about Adam Lowry, who's at the top of that list, Josh Morrissey as well, obviously Connor Hellebuck. Um, but man, not to have Nikolai Ehlers in a playoff series would be absolutely devastating. Uh, and it almost doesn't matter if NHL player safety gets it right and gives Hartman a couple games or something like that. Um, we will be on pins and needles waiting to hear the official status of Nikolai Ehlers over the next little bit. Although, considering it's playoff time, I don't expect to get any. <laughs> we'll just wait to see him in warm-ups for game one. That's,
2: that's a good point. You and I joked before the show that when you heard Hartman had a hearing that he'd get a $2,500 uh, dollar twenty five $2,500.
1: 2500 $2, yeah. all over the place last night from NHL
2: and player safety. We have no idea what's going to happen with uh, with uh, Hartman's hearing, but for Nikolai Ehlers, a lot of questions. How is he doing? Well, there's no update today. They don't skate. They skate tomorrow. He's not going to be in the lineup, uh, assuming they're going to arrest guys who are, who are hurt uh, or who are banged up and have been, you know, there were players, it was him and Connor were game time decisions the other day. You know, he got, he got hit. He went down, grabbed his head, went to the bench, and then you're like, yeah, and they went to the room. And just on the hit itself, I mean, he doesn't have, you know, like he goes to hit Kaprizov and, uh, Everson said, "Oh, look what happened before! I mean, it was a nothing hit on Kaprizov, and for Ryan Hartman to go after the smallest guy in the team who doesn't have the puck, who's not expecting it, and just lay him out—such a gross, dirty play, such a you know disrespectful play. I mean, it's a complete a coward play, if you ask me. Just going after the smallest guy and decking him because what he shouldered Kaprizov when—and then you know,
1: yeah, if you're going to hit look the as guy, tough when Brendan Dillon was uh, grabbed yeah. a hold of him. And as I said, Brendan Dillon could have." Yeah beat the living crap out of him when he had him down and he didn't, he held off. And I am I wonder whether they regretted that considering why the wild continued the BS for the rest of the game and throwing a uh, Ryan Reeves out there at the end. I'll, I'll just say,
2: if you're going to go after Ehlers, like go after him, wait till he has the puck going through the middle and lay him out. like to do it when he doesn't, not expecting it, doesn't have the puck just such a joke. And, and so they didn't call a penalty on that. And we haven't really got it. They didn't get and they didn't call a penalty on, Reeve. So what? So Pionk goes the in on Demelo check, which seems like a routine play to me. And when he gets the five minute major, cause they screwed up before, like just such a joke officiating. That, that's when they were um, trying yesterday. to take
1: control of the game. Um, give me yeah, a break. Uh, um, But, but you know what? I, I keep coming back to this, the team and Rick bonus said this at the beginning of the season, you take a run at one of us, you take a run at all of us. And it hasn't always seemed to be the case, but when the Jets have been playing well, when they have seemed together through really the first half of the year and this final stretch, they have really stuck up for each other. And I think that is hugely important going into the playoffs. And here's Bones on uh, on the team sticking together in the third as uh, the Wild sort of gooned it up a little bit in frustration and uh, what that might mean for the team going forward. Here's more Bones.
3: Listen, we've shown all year long that you go after one of us, you're going after all of us. And we have no problem. They can throw everything they can at us, and we're going to stick up for ourselves, and we're going to fight through everything. And we, you know, Dilly and and, uh, Adam give them full marks because they stood up for the team. But again, we've, we've said all along we're a family, and you come after one of us, you're coming after all of us, and that's a team that sticks together. You shot tonight.
4: You saw the way that the bench responded after the fight, the way they're banging
3: their sticks. I mean, what, what does that do for a group mentally? Uh, I mean, again, they, they all know what uh, was going on. They saw what the other coach was doing out there, and our guys responded. So uh, they, they listen. That's a tough job. You got to stand up there and uh, and, uh, and battle like that. But so our players are again they. There's a good feeling in that room. Uh, The the cultures are very good. They care about each other, and they appreciate when each other and they stand up for each other.
1: All right, so there's bones. As uh, I mentioned, that was a mantra of Rick Bonus at the beginning of the season, Uh, and I'm not sure if it was ever more apparent than it was in game number 81, as the Winnipeg Jets punched their ticket to the Stanley cup playoffs. And we've spent a lot of time talking about Adam Lowry, his line, how he has stepped up, you know, after that miserable stretch, not scoring a goal and probably really feeling a heat and some pressure as, you know, the spot, the standings, you know, slid and they weren't getting a lot. And there was all that talk about the jets have absolutely no depth scoring. They've got nothing from the bottom six. Well, that hasn't been the case since those slumps ended. And it wasn't just Adam Lowry that went through a miserable slump. Blake Wheeler went through a tough slump. Mark Shifley went through an incredible slump for a guy that scored as many goals as he did. Um, But it all comes back to, you know, this team rounding out and looking as good as it has. And again, you can say what you want about the teams that they played over the last little bit. They just were looking as bad as anyone for two and a half months. I mean, they really did step up their play. They got the four of the five wins that they needed at home. Oh, it would have been nice to get that one against Calgary and then book their ticket with a win last night. But kind of more on what Rick Bonus had to say last night about the, the effect of the team sticking together. We're going to play this for you right now. And for podcast listeners, I'm not sure how much you'll be able to get out of it. We'll talk about it afterwards. This is how it looked last night we, from the tunnel as Adam Lowry. Left the ice after taking on and standing up to Ryan Reeves in the final twenty odd seconds of the game what a what a scene that was um for podcast listeners, the guy that was saying bleeping rights Lous, uh, was. Well, there was a number of them, but Brendan Dillon, who was already off after giving it to Hartman, uh, was there to meet him. And then all the black aces, there was Logan Stanley, who probably wished he could have been out there. Uh, you had Axel Janssen-Fialbi, you had Carson Kuhlman. I mean, every single one of those players appreciating um, the stones that Adam Lowry showed for the second time in his career, willing to uh, willing to dance. And, you know, Lowry, was, it was sorry, Reeves. I mean, Reeves does this all the time um flexing out there he knows he's tougher than just about everybody in the league and he's what is he taking a whack at mason appleton lowry I- i'm surprised lowry even took the face off he could have just met over but he goes hey you know listen you're gonna deal with me um and and we you know that that is a scene i mean that what we just saw there i think was exactly a, a great job by the Jets social media department to get that and show it out um and that's exactly what Rick Bonus was uh, was I think talking about when uh, he said you take a run at one of us and you take one at all of us. Yeah, you couldn't really hear because they beeped they actually beeped out like every second. They did the
2: <laughs> um, the blanking the beep instead of blanking it and then putting in the uh, actual beep sound. So uh, that's why there was so it sounded all all choppy. But they were <laughs> fired up. You know when that fight happened, I was like, oh man, like they actually need Adam Lowry. He's been such a big player. He played 18 minutes yesterday. He's scoring uh, big goals them but uh, you know I'm watching this like feeling nervous like don't break your hand punching the guy's helmet or his face or something and or fall down and um you know fall on your head and get a concussion like you don't want him to get hurt but he held his own you know it was pretty pretty intense like he's got the one hand ready one hand up and uh he took reeves down and you know took maybe a shot like he got punched in the helmet by a bare bare fist so uh that hey, was it, that was a heavyweight fight though, Huss. That was that was intense.
1: It absolutely was. Uh, uh but it shows the uh the courage, the stones that Adam Lowry has. And man, that if that that image doesn't tell you what he means to this team, uh, I don't know what does. Well, maybe all the goals that he scored and what his line has done. And Remo, if you will remember me talking to Jeff Hamilton yesterday on the program, we were talking about that third line and just how effective they've been, how dominant they've been in the last couple of games. And the way that they had stepped up, I I still maintain this. I mean, if you want to, I mean, if you want to think about some reasons that the Winnipeg Jets are going to be a handful for whoever they play in the next round, look no further than that line um, because they'll be matched up at times against the top lines on the other club. Um, You know, are they perfect? No, but man, are they playing great right now? And they're bringing all of the elements um, that you'd want from the depth players on your lineup right now. Um, and they're starting to get some things happening offensively as well. You know, Nieder- Niederreiter's been able to score. Mason Appleton's all of a sudden had a couple as of late and a huge goal last night. But we've talked about Adam Lowry. I mean, Adam Lowry was that guy during the depths of that slump that scored against Nashville to create an opportunity to get two points in overtime. And I'm not sure this team is in the place that they are right now if he doesn't have those massive goals against Arizona and the Ducks when they were struggling and got very, very important wins that were all part of finally getting the finish line last night in game number 81. Um, let I just want to get back to uh, Bones for one more uh, quote because one of the things we talked about yesterday was an opportunity for the Jets to avoid having to worry about the Thursday night game against Colorado and to have to avoid looking at the scoreboard and worrying about the Nashville Predators taking care of their own business with a win. Here's what Bones had to say on that.
3: Well, I, I know that these guys aren't going to probably send a great team to Nashville and <laughs> Heathies, Colorado. Uh, so we had to take care of business. So I give our, again, give our guys full marks
4: mean for
3: Connor to get a rest mm-hmm. on Thursday. I assume he will get one. Oh, is that right? Now you're now you're picking my starting goalie for me. <laughs> Just lending a suggestion. Yeah. To yeah, I'd say that's a pretty good bet. He deserves a rest. uh well, Fortunately, the schedule, as I said, the last couple weeks has been a little lighter, so we've given him plenty of time off. But certainly, he deserves a rest after tonight.
1: All right, there's uh, bones. Yeah, he's done. He, he, Pretty good chance that Big Save Dave's going to get a chance to play in game number 82. Um, you know, I, I, here with a little bit of a different setup than normal, not as many screens, but um, big thanks to SK for a nice little super chat. I, I believe, Remo, did, did you say that that was um, thanks to a uh, a wager? Yeah, well, speaking of wagers, you were the one who said like
2: a couple weeks ago, oh yeah, Big Save Dave, he's not playing until April when we looked at the schedule, and you were right, last game of the year. I said Hellebuck really wanted that day off, and he had to earn it yesterday with some of those saves, Let's went to SK for the Super Chat. Uh, you know, one thing that's great about the channel is you have all these connections made in the chat. So SK had a bet with BA Split about the Jets making the playoffs, so SK owes BA Split 20 bucks for losing the bet, but he also thought he'd send us... A twenty dollar super chat <laughs> show. Shout out to SK he was here just about every I don't know if he started watching the games again. I think he had to stop at a certain point. Couldn't couldn't take it anymore. But the Jets will be in the playoffs and we are looking forward. Monday, we don't have like confirmed dates. The playoffs start on Monday and we'll have to wait and see what the schedule is. I am you know, talking about time zones. I'm ex- fully expecting the home games here start at eight PM, hustler. So get ready for some uh rowdy atmospheres. 8 you know, if they weren't already 8, going
1: to be. Dude. They're going to be, it's
2: 8.30 or 9. For, well, for home games, you think 8.30 or 9? Because they already get yeah. a
1: 9 home game. Well, I, I mean, they wait till the early game's over in the playoffs yeah. for the most part. I guess we'll like, have if there's to wait two and see. Games, If there's two games in the West, like the thing is, when you play in the West, mm-hmm. you're playing in that, in that late television window. So uh, it's going to be great news for the bars and restaurants downtown. There's going to be plenty more time, I think, for people to pregame. And I'll tell you what, um, you know, we won't get into game production and all that. We've kind of talked about that. And I know there's, you know, a lot of talk about the uh, the the season ticket campaign that the team's coming on. I, I'm going to leave that today. People are spending their time on Twitter talking about that. We will talk about it tomorrow, though. Christina Litz is going to join us from True North Sports and Entertainment. Talk to her a little bit about, um, you know, the video the campaign, all of that. Um, and we'll have a little bit more time, but today's clinching day. We're talking about this team right now going to the playoffs. And I'm looking forward to doing that with Marat Atesh coming up in, uh, in a little bit. Um, we will hear from Connor Hellebuck afterwards and a few of the other players. Um, but listen, Murat is going to join us right away. A couple things that I want to do. And, and first off a big shout out to uh, our, our, uh, our latest winner of the unsung hero from our friends uh, at Wallace and Wallace. Now um, this one is awesome. And I got a first off shout out to Jeff Bose, regular listener who sent this one in. And uh, I, I, I love this one because we've had a great number of unsung heroes that have been doing a ton for you know, people in need and charity work. The other part of, of this and our life is the people that dedicate so many hours when it comes to helping out minor sports and whatnot and, This is just a great, great winner of the Unsung Hero. Um, This is from Jeff Bose. Hey, guys, my son has played baseball for the Elmwood Giants baseball team for the past five years, and there's a community of coaches keeping baseball alive and well in this lower-income area. Derek and the coaches have put in hundreds of hours each year coaching, running skill programs for younger kids, and getting the players to give back by coaching kids as well. The group has revitalized baseball in this area as the sport was dying in the Elmwood North Kildonan area. Kids are excited to play baseball and the big kids play under the lights at Koski field. Funny thing is I coached Corey Koski when he was 17, the teams have done really well. And it's a great mixture of kids from have and have not families, Derek Helgeson coaches shout out to you, uh, Derek. We've got an autographed Jersey from jets, all-star defenseman, Josh Morrissey for you. And um, Jeff, Shout out to you, $500 donation from Wallace & Wallace to the Dream Factory um, for your nomination. And J-Mo and uh, his lovely wife are going to be matching that donation as well. So winners all around, and good luck to everyone in that Elmwood Giants baseball program coming up this year. Big thanks again to Wallace & Wallace who, of course, are your fencing and overhead door specialists here in Manitoba. Find out more at wallacefences.com or on uh, – give them a buzz at 452 Um, I butchered this yesterday because I didn't have the right uh, the right month, and I was thinking about ultimate male energy from, uh, from last week here, but Bite of Health Fresh Market is ready for spring. I think we all know that. They've got the best prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries – And uh, the biggest selection of local products, too. But have you guys had your healthy fats today? Yes, there is such a thing. Omega-3 fatty acids are beneficial for your skin, brain, joint, and heart health. And that's where Health First Omega Supreme comes in. Get your healthy fats the easy way with this one-a-day soft gel. Health Health First Omega Supreme on sale all month at Vita Health Fresh Market. Empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca, fully shoppable website with local delivery options as well. Um, How's the menswear game looking? How's the closet ready for spring and summer, fellas? Up your menswear game heading into the new seasons over at F Apparel. Custom suits beginning at $400 along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles and an incredible selection of menswear accessories, 15% discount for wedding parties. Don't waste your money, rent taxes or something like that. Head to F get great looking suits that you can wear beyond the big day. Everyone will get a 15% discount when you get your suits at F apparel. And if you need a new suit for a 2023 high school grad, Get on down to F. They'll give a free custom shirt and tie valued at 150 bucks for any 2023 grad getting a suit at F Apparel. 190 Smith Street downtown. Get ready or make an appointment online at FEPHapparel.com. And with the beautiful weather here and in Winnipeg and much more on the way, celebrate it. Celebrate the playoffs with a blizzard. Speaking of whiteouts, Four locations for Nick and Nicky DQ, DQ Northgate, DQ pull park DQ St. Anne's, and the DQ in Neverville. Never a better time to jump on a blizzard than with the change of the season over at Nick and Nicky DQs. All right, Ted Wyman, a little later on in the program. Right now, though, let's welcome in Murat Atesh of The Athletic. Marat, great to see and talk to you again. And uh, it took a little longer than some expected a few months ago. Um but they did something that a lot of people didn't think they were capable of doing five or six months ago. The finish line has been achieved and the Winnipeg Jets are going to be playing playoff hockey.
4: I mean, I am so happy for everybody in your chat, everybody in the comment section at the athletic, everybody that we interact with on a day-to-day basis. I mean, the joy levels are back in Winnipeg and that's such an exciting thing for the city at a time when, it looked for a second there like things had gone off the rails. And Winnipeg had good metrics. They were out shooting teams. They weren't scoring. They weren't bearing down. There were times when they overpassed their way out of great situations, and it seemed as though the playoffs might pass them by. No doubt anymore. They're making it. It's Vegas or Edmonton, and I think Winnipeg's very excited about that.
1: Um, I have been uh, leading the charge – for a long time with the Connor Hellebuck Appreciation Society, and it is a large, large group. Um, how about the play of the Jets netminder, just running this thing right until the finish line, thirteen straight starts, and um, and doing it in spectacular fashion at times. Others when the team stepped up, maybe not as busy. The bottom line was he was the one constant throughout this entire year, but especially this last run. And uh, probably the biggest reason overall that the Winnipeg Jets are going to be uh, uh, in the playoffs and the fans are looking to find out how their whites are doing right now in the closet.
4: <laughs> I mean, Connor Hellebuck looked human for two weeks and Winnipeg fell apart. So, I mean, the rest of the season, you take it all told. I mean, he's well inside the top five and goal saved above expectation, I believe. Um, you've seen the highlight reels. Last night, the paddle saves. Are you friggin' kidding me? Like, it was a situation <laughs> where... We've seen Winnipeg get goalie during its slump. Well, Connor Hellebuck was not going to be denied last night. Between that save, um, his glove work, everything that went into that night, you had a sense that Winnipeg was getting outplayed, but weren't going to be beaten because Connor Hellebuck was there. And goaltending, for me, you know, are it's two things. One is the metrics so you get into goal saved above expectation, save percentage. Connor Hellebuck is a leader in those regards. The other thing is the feeling. Is the guy going to be there? Can you count on him? Can you trust him? And I think that Conor Hellebuck has given Winnipeg that belief again, um, if they ever lost it at all, to be clear. And that's a dangerous little recipe heading into the playoffs, the idea that he might be peaking at exactly the right time.
1: Well, and I love that you brought that up because I was going to. Um, when we get to Monday and we're talking about a game that night or on Tuesday night, and I'll be here on this program trying to give all the reasons why the Jets could be a very handful for whoever they're playing as a big, big underdog, it starts with 37. And I don't think you can, over, uh, you can overestimate the importance of goaltending and how much of a big advantage the Winnipeg Jets are going to have in net regardless of who they're playing. Well, do you remember the last time Winnipeg was in the playoffs? They swept
4: the Edmonton Oilers. And I know that fans want to believe that the Jets outplayed the Oilers all the way through. That was not the case. You did not shut down Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. You held them to limited points. Absolutely, you did. But the Edmonton Oilers got their fair share of scoring chances. And Connor Hallibuck was there turning, you know, flow of play issues into four straight wins for the Winnipeg Jets. And you know, I believe that Hellebuck would be the advantage over a Logan Thompson or an Laurent Bursois out of out of Vegas. You'd like to think he's the advantage over a Stuart Skinner in Edmonton as well. I mean, he's an X Factor. He's a sort of player. We've seen it for Winnipeg. You know, that series against Edmonton. We've seen it against Winnipeg when Marc-Andre Fleury was spectacular in 2018. Goaltending can tilt the the lens of an entire series. And the idea that Connor Hellebuck is at his best, and like the way that he was talking to reporters yesterday, hey, you know what? Earlier on in the season, I was thinking about the Vesna Trophy. Yeah, that that made some sense, but uh, but then I put it completely out of my mind. I don't want individual accolades. I want to win. And there's just this serene singularity to the way that Connor Hellebuck talks that I believe that he's as dialed in as he says he is. Pair that with the the presentation and the and the results and the performance last night and recently. Yeah, you got to feel good about who they have in net.
1: You, you know, Remo, remote just because we didn't get a chance to play it beforehand. It, can you just fire up that one clip of Hellebuck? Uh, I want to say it is number, uh, n- uh, eight. Uh, this is Hellebuck asked about, you know, the Vesna trophy and, you know, all of that. Um, here's what Hellebuck had to say after the game when uh, asked, I believe by Kent.
4: You know, I, I was thinking about that a little bit during the year and, um, I didn't like it. It's, that's too, too much of a personal thing. I, I, want, I want to be part of the team, and I don't really care about the individual accolades. So uh,
0: I, I took that right out of my mind, and I've just been focusing on on the next goal, and that's winning a Cup. So, um, I mean, now that we're near the end, you know, I, I'd be proud to be nominated. I, I'd be proud that we uh, make a good run here.
1: All right, well, I think you know that uh, everyone around here thinks that he should certainly be nominated. I mean, all the trophies this year will probably be nominated by the Boston Bruins because they have put together a historically great season. But that doesn't take away the importance of this guy to uh, this team. And the importance of goaltending, if it's possible, is even more so Murat in the playoffs. And that's enough, certainly within a team like the Winnipeg Jets, I think, to give a team the, the, the basis of for some confidence against whoever you're playing right now. And I'll tell you what, if he continues to play the way he has, as of late, the jets will be an easy out for absolutely nobody.
4: Look in the playoffs in a small sample size, like, don't get me wrong. Winnipeg will be underdogs, but in a small sample size, the extreme moments count for so much. And, looking at the way that Connor Hellebuck is playing right now, you can believe that the extreme moment is he's going to steal a goal that should be a goal. He's going to be looking at a situation like that paddle save that he made last night, and he's going to be able to make that save. And that, that's a spectacular belief that comes from performance. We see it with our eyes. But it also comes with year over year of metrics supported. This guy is one of the best over the long haul, no matter what happens. And that's thats a spec spectacular thing it's also a special thing Winnipeg I mean from top to bottom of the organization knows Mark Scheifele knows he said it last night hellbuck won us the game that's a special thing and I've been poring over some other numbers too you know there are reasons I would say to to fear the Edmonton Oilers based on how they're playing heading into the stretch but that's not who Winnipeg's probably going to play and I have you know I have the thinking that Vegas is a little bit more middling than elite as based on their, their underlying numbers and other sorts of things in the standings. Winnipeg's got a punching chance against whoever they play. I have to also tell you, I wonder what you think, but for me, Vegas is the team that you want to go up against.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, uh, I joked and said, uh, I was on the lock shop today with Dustin Nielsen. Of course, he does the Nielsen show out in Edmonton. And I said, so would you rather get bounced by the jets in round one or round two, Dusty? Um, You know, it was just a little bit of playful going back and forth. Listen, the Oilers are a problem right now. And, I mean, <laughs> Connor McDavid, Leon Draisaitl, the Nuge with 100 points, I mean, all of that. It, it, when I look at Vegas, and th- listen, they're still going to finish first. I mean, they have had an incredible season, but it starts. I mean, if you're looking for reasons to think that the Winnipeg Jets have a chance to pull an upset, it starts in net. And, I mean, I don't know if Kelly McCrimmon, and uh, Bruce Casty know right now who their starting goaltender is going to be and I don't think there's anyone that would come even close to having the confidence within their room that Hellebuck has in theirs so listen goaltending hopefully will be a big part of the story that uh, we'll enjoy watching um, but it does start with Connor Hellebuck but that's just the beginning Murat, one other uh, when we talk about you know what the Jets have done over the past two to three weeks to pull themselves up and get into the playoffs. Buck is obviously where it starts, but the other guy, and he was a big, big part of last night in a number of reasons, was Adam Lowry. And, you know, I mentioned earlier, I mean, justifiably so, there was a lot of talk about the Jets' lack of depth scoring and where it had gone. Not only has the scoring returned for Lowry, the likes of Mason Appleton, and the look now that they have with Nito Niederreiter on that line is as good as I think we've seen in a long time. But man, are they playing a dominating playoff style game? And then you add the element that Lowry brought and showed off at the end of the game, standing up to Ryan Reeves, of all people. I can't think of a guy that elevated his game when he needed it more. And um, that's a true show of leadership in so many different ways. And it's another that that line's going to be a real pain in the ass for whoever they play in the playoffs. I'll tell you that much. 100% Hundred percent,
4: they will. And what did Mason Appleton call him in the in the video, the jacket presentation? Full set. I think it was full set. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that was a that was an indication of, of of the belief and the and the confidence that he gave everybody uh, with with what he did last night. And listen, I've written to this effect at the athletic because Adam Lowry's dis- uh, offense disappeared for a little while partway through the season, and the question was going to be well, hey, is this your fourth-line center? What's going to happen to him? All that sort of stuff. And the, you know, the, the response I had was, this is a player who will be there in the stretch. You can count on that. And you know that's from talking to people around the team. Everybody believes in the person. You watch that video of him coming off the ice getting celebrated by Brendan Dillon, Logan Stanley that the Jets shared as well. Um, you know, I put that in my most recent piece, wrote last night. Um, there is a role that he plays on that team that if you go back to the last time the Jets were a very good team, that 2018 run, you have so many people before Lowry in that heavyweight bill, starting with Dustin Buffalin. Well, now look at the team. You've got Lowry doing the job. You've got Brendan Dillon doing the job. And I don't think it's lost on anyone in the Jets dressing room that when those guys show up for each other, the message is just like bonus said, you go after one of us, you go after all of us. For Lowry to give up fighting experience to give up you know probably size and strength to Reeves and go after him anyway in that situation every single Winnipeg Jet saw value in that and that's a little bit of something about why they believe so much in number seventeen.
1: Well, and and I think that's more important right now than at any other point in the season. And you know, with the way that team has played, with the way they have contributed, with the way they have dominated at times and just lived in other teams' zones. Um, you know, that in itself is important, but I, I, I'm interested in your perspective on this, Murat. The way things got a little crazy last night and everything that happened in the third period, and the fact that they did need to stand up the way they did, I, as long as Nikolai ethers is okay and everyone's good to go for the playoffs, I don't think a circus like that could have happened at a better time for a team that had just done what they had accomplished to do in day one of the year and kind of reminding them of the type of team and how close they need to be when you are going up against potentially a team like Vegas, who is no pushover by any stretch of the imagination. 100%.
4: Just go back to two weeks ago, three weeks ago, when we doubted them, when they were in that California road trip, they came out of that San Jose game and you know, things were burning a little bit. And if you, even if you believed in the Jets' quality of play, even if you thought that the, the metrics were there and the goals would come and all of those sorts of things, there was an enormous element of prove it to the Winnipeg Jets' stretch run to close off the season. Prove that the first half of the season wasn't a fluke. Prove that you can play, that your top players are going to commit and play the um, desperate shot-blocking, back-checking, protect the middle version of playoff hockey that you're going to need. Prove that you can get the wins and the goals when the time matters. Well, they started to do that. And, you know, they played a relatively strong home stand against Nashville that second period was all kinds of dominant. Every single Winnipeg Jet, I went through it at the site just to do it. You could name every single Winnipeg Jet and look at a puck battle that he won against the Nashville Predators to maintain that run of dominance until they could win that game. San Jose was the same. But one thing that we had yet to see proven Uh, not in a long time anyways, was that physical aspect. So when Dylan DeMello gets boarded from behind from Ryan Reeves and the game, well, first of all, it's not penalized. The game goes off the rails. Winnipeg plays a role in it too. But I think that's the hit that changes things. You're wondering, is Winnipeg going to push back? What can they show each other? And I think that they proved it. I think it was important to get that done before game one of the playoffs to have that vibe, so to speak, because game one is going to probably look exactly like that in some respects.
1: Yeah, well, especially if they go up against the Vegas Golden Knights. And um, as they say, we'll spend time focusing on the matchup once we know what that matchup is. Um, But I think there's a lot of things to really like about where the Winnipeg Jets are right now as a team, as they get to... And sometimes, I mean, there is something to be said, Murat, for adversity forcing a team to get better and i i really do think that we've seen that over the course of the last little while um because if they didn't frankly we'd be talking about the biggest collapse in nhl history for a team that was where the team was in the middle of january um and and again a lot of it this comes back to rick bonus um what the job, where do we even start with the job that Rick Bonus has done all season long, starting with the beginning of the year, but the way he handled, um, you know, a team basically going the wrong direction for an extended period of time. And some of the moves and the unconventional moves that he made with their backs against the wall in the last few weeks that have sort of led to the recent winning streak and ultimately uh, getting the job done. Well, yeah, I think for me, Winnipeg had genuinely
4: gone off the rails a bit and you know there's a question of how they were going to get their offense you could see that some of their star players weren't as committed to the defensive side of the game we've seen that song we've seen that dance we know it well we know the steps right but I also think that during some of those struggles you saw Rick Bonus play some hunches that didn't work out so there's the one game that the Jets give up two straight goals off of face-offs Um, And I guess against Los Angeles, that was Shifley loses one, they get scored on, Dubois loses one, they get scored on. And all of a sudden you've got Kevin Stenland taking minutes from Nikolai Ehlers on the strong side when you need goals. And so the Jets aren't scoring after that as well. I think bonus was part of the struggle as well. However, coming out of that California road trip, then switching up to those lines, moving Shifley to wing, which may have been an unpopular idea immediately, but has worked tremendously well from the from the beginning now you have Pierre-Luc Dubois playing a responsible center down low roll Shifley and Connor can fly that Ehlers-Nemesnikov Wheeler line is going um, and obviously the Niederreiter Lowry and Appleton line is going we can talk numbers about that all of them are dramatically outscoring the players that they play against whenever they're on the ice so it's not just hits and glory it's goals and wins too that are being driven by these lines but down this stretch run even against Calgary, when Winnipeg sort of gave up the chance to, to cement themselves as in control of their destiny, Bonus stood firm in those lines that were working. He did not waver and start playing hunches and mix up, you know, in a desperate attempt to get things back on the rails because he had found something that genuinely did work. More of it was going to be the solution. And I think that, you know, I think he deserved some criticism for some of some of his plays earlier in that slump but he deserves tremendous praise for holding everything together and getting them to play their most desperate and effective game over this last week or so too.
1: Well, I agree with everything you said. I mean, there was a lot of questions and a lot of uh, things happening with this club, and, you know, you got to stop the bleeding at some point, and it didn't stop right away. But we're not having any of these conversations if we don't talk about the effect of Rick Bonus from day one of training camp and the moves that he made. And listen, you can't just snap your fingers and entirely change a culture of a team. I mean, a lot of that is personnel. A lot of that's things. And I think we've seen some of that creep back in, in previous months as things went down, but um, we can't lose sight of the fact that the job brick bonus did in the first half of this season, before things went south was as good as any, I can remember in the NHL, considering what we had seen in previous years and the fact that, they didn't change many of the deck chairs. They changed the guy behind the bench.
4: Yeah. And you know what? Some of the hunches I keep harping on, those are the little rocks, right? You're trying to fill a jar. You get the big rocks in first, right? And so that conversation he has with Josh Morrissey in the off season, calls him up on the golf course. Hey, is this a good time to chat? Well, anyway, they got in touch. Gotcha. And uh, and they, the idea that he – was able to challenge him to think of himself, to think of himself as a top 10 Norris Trophy candidate. Now, I'm not saying you can merely make that suggestion and turn Josh Morrissey into a 76-point player more than doubling his career high, which was set last season and was already seen as a, as a step forward for Morrissey. But his role, the way that they worked together, the confidence he gave him, the ability to change Winnipeg's offensive plans – I mean, Josh Morrissey isn't dangling from the blue line with that kind of confidence, other than a few select third period desperate comeback attempts last year. But we're seeing it all of the time. And the way that Morrissey reads the defense to see, hey, do I have a step on this guy? Can I attack even when he's mid deep I mean, this is a player at peak confidence. Bonus challenges Pierre Luc Dubois to play a better 200-foot game. He certainly challenges Shifley and Connor right off the hop in terms of shift length and things like that. I know that went off the rails at different times, but down the stretch, he got what he needed from those guys as well. The captaincy change. I think that was important. I have heard people tell me from within that team that there are people who have voices this year that didn't previously feel like they had voices in that locker room. And I think that that's real as well. Uh, So I mean, talk about big rocks. What else is there? Put that in front of Connor Hellebuck playing like Connor Hellebuck can play and you've got yourself a playoff team.
1: You know, and and you mentioned this in one of your tweets and in the article as well. Um, The thing that is so fascinating about this hockey club and about where we are right now and following the Winnipeg Jets is that, you know, despite the fact that we're going to be getting playoff hockey and we'll see what happens going forward, there is an element, I believe, it's some sort of a last dance of um of at least a good portion of this core going into next year, regardless of what you think of what's happened with this season with particular players or not, just because of the time ticking down on contracts and whatnot. And you know it's impossible to keep these teams together forever, even though the Jets have done a far better job if you like to keep the team together as long as they have. Other people have different opinions on all of that. Um, But you know what I'm saying? I mean, this is is a a special time, I think, for fans of uh, a number of players because there's no guarantee on uh, a far greater number of guys being back next year than would normally be the case for a team that just has done what the Jets have done.
4: 100 percent 2024 is a ticking clock and this summer is when winnipeg has to make some of the key decisions i don't think that there is a playoff run that can change the big picture on on this team and the idea that you know blake wheelers towards the end of his career his impact they explored moving him last summer will that happen this year not so sure um but mark shifley as well is a is now a concern he's going to be eligible for unrestricted free agency in 2024 do you extend him at a big ticket price at this stage of his career is there anything other solutions you can come across can you use him to bring back assets that keep the team competitive we know pierre-luc dubois um well we don't know but we think pierre-luc dubois is a, an unlikely long-term jet although of course so comes the leak darren Dreger, you know reporting that winnipeg will do everything in its power to keep him I think that's the first in a series of announcements that eventually ends in we did everything in our power to keep him and to move. That's just my opinion. But there's a ticking clock on this team, whether you get all of your favorite players back in a Jets uniform next year or not. And that's what makes a moment like this special. You saw Canada Life Center come back to life down this stretch run when Winnipeg's effort was ratcheted up. And you saw what this city was capable of in terms of the noise. You have Josh Morrissey's Let's fucking go moment you have the fans come alive cheering every shot block every dive every bit of meaningful play and now winnipeg cemented its playoff spot with the group of players that have been the heart and soul of this team for better and for worse over the last several eras or years of me this era is defined by the heights that players like blake wheeler connor hellebuck mark mark shifley and so on have been able to take them to this may be the last time that this group and even if you consider Pierre-Luc Dubois the payoff of the Patrick Liney lottery win, there's a chapter coming to a close, whether this summer or soon afterwards. Enjoy it as much as you can while you have it, and all the best to fans who are, who are trying to do that.
1: Well, and, and, and you know what I mean? It's funny. You talk about the fans and the, you know, the, the atmosphere in the building. And I, I really do think, as someone that's in the seats every game, I mean, the way that the fans stepped up while the team had been struggling, going in, coming off that loss in San Jose that – I mean, it had me about as rattled that I've been in a long time. But where the team, uh, where the team was and team going, this is also an incredibly, incredibly crucial point um, for the organization overall. And uh, it was maybe made even more clear yesterday with the big launch of their season ticket campaign, sort of coinciding with this team going to going into the playoffs. Um, and listen, I don't think one win or one loss or what happens in this next series is going to be the determining factor of how things look in the stands and beyond. But I think it is naive of us not to think that um, this isn't, in a lot of ways, um, maybe one of the most crucial points overall in 2.0 history, considering, um, you know, some of the things that have happened in the past and where they are as an entity right now with the support of people in this community.
4: You have to give fans a story to believe in. And if you're on the way up, you want to work hard, you want to make it to the playoffs, you want to have games that they can celebrate, memories that they're never going to forget. And if you're struggling, you want honest, hardworking efforts. If you have to sell a rebuild, you have to be able to do it in a way that fans can resonate with. And right now, this is the window where Winnipeg said, hey, no matter what the critics say, we're running it back with the exact same core. That's a big bet. That is an enormous decision. That was not taken lightly, I should hope, by the Winnipeg Jets. And to make it to the playoffs right now, they give themselves an opportunity for fans to get on board with the story that they've been sold, and sometimes not perfectly sold uh, You know, on, on that as well. I know the building hasn't been 100% full, and I think that's a sign that, well, some fans aren't believing in the overall storyline of the team right now. If things change... If Winnipeg does need to rebuild or retool or their struggles and, and fans believe that there's honest to goodness, direction and effort, you have to believe that they'll show up. You have to believe that. And True North, I think, you know, good for them that Winnipeg won yesterday to sort of cement that ticket launch into a little bit of momentum. They're going to have the whiteout parties to celebrate, all of that sort of stuff. Um, you know, I think it's on them right now to sell Jets fans on on a story that they can believe in. And the opportunity they have in front of them is earned right now, especially by the players. And I think it's going to play an enormous, enormous role in that.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I, I completely agree. And and listen, it's one thing to sell, you know, the team and the players. and But, I mean, those things are going to go – they'll come and go. Um, and, you know, listen, I mean, you can't expect your team, as much as you want them to win every game that they play and you want them to win the cup every year – I mean, realistically, especially in this market with the unique challenges that Winnipeg has, that won't always be realistic. Um, They as an organization also need to sell fans, like new fans, as well as some of the fans that they've lost that they have learned from mistakes of the past, whether we're talking about hockey ops, but also in the community, not as much in the community. They've done great community work, but with stakeholders that they've lost due to, a multitude of reasons over the years. And um, in reality, I mean, the one thing that will help more than anything is um, the city on fire with legitimate playoff excitement and a- atmosphere, which um, I'm pretty sure we're going to get coming very soon. And we'll see what happens for the rest of the way. They got a lot of work to do themselves on a lot of other things that are not involving the hockey club. And I think for everyone involved, hopefully that happens. Yeah. I mean, I'll let the economics experts speak to that.
4: I was struck by the the numbers that Mark Chipman shared. I think it was quoted in a free press article where the amount of corporate buy-in and, and, and uh, season ticket holders in Winnipeg compared to other markets, that's a unique challenge. Other markets seem to get more of that. I know that True North was feeling dinged by the, uh, by the pandemic economics and all those sorts of things as well. And they've still spent to the cap throughout all of this. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's always going to be that way. Uh, I reached out. Well, you, you have Christina Litz coming on the program tomorrow. You don't need my deep dive on, on this sort of thing, but I did reach out to uh, Krista Sinayeski. I don't know if I pronounced her last name correctly. Pardon me, Krista, for just to to share some fan feedback that I got us. And, you know, we're all on Twitter. You're having that conversation. I heard you reference it earlier, so I didn't want to go too far down this road, but I've heard everything from, well, good. I'm glad they're sharing the economic realities with us. About time we heard that sort of thing to, my goodness, what a threat. How dare you remind us of the team going? And I, I think the so long as you support us message that True North sent was not subtle. So I asked, well, what is it that you mean by that? And the message I got back was that, hey, you know, we believe in this city and all those sorts of things, but there's an economic reality here. And Winnipeg does face challenges. And honestly, I understand that. I think people understand that if you spell it out, Um, for them as well. And there are fans who are feeling like they were threatened yesterday. Um, But I don't think that takes away from some of the economic challenges and realities that you said. The only thing I know, because I don't know all the ins and outs of this situation, is that it does feel like an inflection point. This is the first time that Winnipeg has mentioned that, hey, we need you or else sort of business. And even if that was a tiny part of the overall message, I think that's opening a door that can only be opened once. They, you know, Winnipeg either recovers from from this and fills the building and does what it needs to do, or you'll see the team spend less uh or or things like that as well. There's something happening now that's gonna be very important.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh no it well said. And um I completely agree that they've got a, a lot of work to do. And and listen, I've got a unique perspective on this because I mean, I mean, I'm not a big J journal. I mean, I came from working with teams selling tickets. And I mean, really something that, that uh, I think formed me um, and the person that I am and, you know, my passion for the city and our teams and all that stuff, you know, was staying with the moose after the first year. Um, There's never been anything that has been more of a challenge to me in my personal career than talking to season ticket holders and stakeholders to try to get them to stick around and let, us at the time I was part of it build a team after losing the Winnipeg Jets in 1996. And, you know, most of the season ticket holders were people that were devastated, like everyone that we'd lost the team and thought, well, you know, we'll still support hockey here. It wasn't about getting an NHL team back at all. It was about, well, we're not going to have hockey in this city. And I mean, I I could spend a lot of time talking about this maybe on another day. Maybe we'll get into it a bit more tomorrow, but I mean, it was conversations one-on-one With stakeholders and business people and business owners and fans to give us another chance. That first year was miserable. I mean, you had the hangover of losing a team and the team stunk. The league wasn't very good. Every time we did a great job in filling the building, they'd lose one nothing to some guy that was drafted in the sixth round for the Jets some year before. I mean, like, there was, it it couldn't have gone any worse in so many other things. But sticking with it and sticking through it and having those people and having those conversations, trying to get people to give another chance and stick with it and knowing that, you know, at least the people that were in charge then that I was working for were incredibly well-intentioned for the city, um, for, for for everyone. Um, it took a long time to work, but that was what happened. Uh, contrast that to... Uh, I, think a, uh, I think a feeling that, you know, the people that, you know, Austin, basically, I mean, things just change a 180. I mean, you got this long waiting list. There's 13,000 people getting season tickets. It was a real tough ticket to go. Um, you know, I, unfortunately, I think there was a a level of hubris that, um, you know, led to, you know, so certainly a, a, an opinion amongst a lot of the people that were stakeholders that there was a bit of an arrogance. Like, you were lucky to be able to be a customer of ours that I don't think was ever intended but it certainly happened and I mean they started losing people and you know there's a number of other things that I think can come down to it that you know were affected I mean some people don't like the GM or what's happening listen hockey fans guys the fans are never going to be calling the shots so uh, don't hold your breath for a, a fan poll to say whether they should trade a guy or not but it was the way a lot of things were handled and uh, Listen, I I certainly think and hope that there's been an inflection within the organization that some of that needs to change. I'm certainly feeling that right now, Um, and it'll be a job – there'll be a lot of boots on the ground and a lot of conversations with people to try to get that second chance for people that they left. And the other thing that's very important to note – this is a perfect example – so many of those people that were the backbone of the Moose organization that were supporting pro hockey here when a lot of people turned their backs on it throughout and frankly are a big reason why we were even in the position to get an NHL team back well let's say you were 67 in 2011 when the team came back you know you'd been there those people are 80 years old now and and, and I think part of it is that you know you have a a period of time where it was just tough to get a ticket. I mean, they didn't have to work on introducing new friends. They frankly didn't have to work on marketing or anything like that. Um, They do now. And I certainly think that that has been recognized. I'm really looking forward to talking to Christina, who's newer to the organization, but has great experience in sports and is an awesome, awesome person. Um, you know, from Winnipeg that I think is exactly the sort of person that I think they need sort of being out there to get people to at least consider giving that second chance for some of those people. And then the other thing is to try to dig in for a generation that, you know, may have been 20 years old and not really in a ticket buying per, per you know position in 2011 that are now into their 30s and, you know, will provide the backbone of this next generation for the team. So, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it and it's a lot more than wins and losses. Um, But it is something that uh, I think is, is important. And I mean, as far as Twitter goes, I, I really like Listen, I could have spent the last 24 hours just replying and replying and replying to things. I mean, the amount of stuff I've tried to get away from that, with the exception of a few people that I do know um, that I kind of got back to because, the one thing I'll say, do not take Twitter as as reality. Um, I, I hate to say it, but, I mean, the most negative people do the most work on Twitter. And while, you know, there might be some people that are really loud, I think there's a lot of other people that might appreciate, you know, you know a, a one-on-one talk. And whether it starts with Mark, uh, whether it's Christina, whether it's hopefully a really good... Uh, a good group of younger people that are in that are entrusted with having those conversations like I did when I was however many years old trying to get people to please give the moose one more year and see what happens. And it started going up like that. All those things really need to happen. But uh, I, I just say to people, don't take what's happening in your Twitter feed as an accurate reflection of this community overall because social media in general is far more negative than I think reality Listen, there are some people those out there, but put it this way: the most negative people on Twitter, I don't think, are going to be the ones that are making or breaking this organization going forward. It's the rank and file. A lot of people who have had justifiable reasons for moving away, and there's economics and all of that too. Um, but as I said, it's a big, big. It's a much bigger story, and something that I think we, as a community, and this isn't just a sports show, a business show, a uh, politics show, all of those things that is going to be a big, big part of this off season going forward. But, um, you know, for everyone that thought that they were threatened, I mean, I, I, I as I said this in the one comment that I said back to NER, it was pretty choked about all of this. I mean, do we want the truth or not? Because I think that as an organization, it would be far more negligent to sort of stick their you know, heads in the sand and not acknowledge some of the issues before and try and do everything they can to earn the trust back of it. Um, And I know there's some things about taking accountability. I mean, I think those happen in those conversations when someone is representing. I mean, that wasn't going to come out in a video the day before the playoffs start. Anyways, I've sort of gone on about that. I could go on a lot longer, Murat, but... Um, listen, this team is so important to so many people in this community, and there's a lot of people that depend on it for a whole other things as much as just the general fun of getting through it. And I understand why it is such a hot-button topic, and I do understand why even the thought of that can get some people's backs up. But unfortunately, I think everyone needs to acknowledge reality as well as the people inside those offices and figure out a way to put their best foot forward to avoiding a real step back when it comes to fan support that would you know, harm the potential future of the team on the ice, as well as the long-term viability in the community.
4: I think one of the reasons why I just believe in you so much as the voice of the fans and your insight into a situation like this is you recognize that community is built up by a collection of individuals. If you're selling the Winnipeg Jets or any product to this community It's a conversation with that individual stakeholder, that one person's experience, that one family's game day experience, or the response or lack of a response that they got from the team representative. That's collective. That adds up. Every single one of those things becomes a part of the fan experience. And when you touch on the idea that maybe there was some hubris over the years when the market was, you know, pointing in one direction, some complacency set in. It never felt like True North had to work that hard to get people into the building. And now that they do, I think that the roadmap that you outline, where you're talking to people one on one, you're having direct conversations from organization to human being as close. I mean, an organization isn't a person, but as close as you can merge those things together. That's what I think builds a community and sustains a community. I think Christina's hiring by True North was designed or at least timed to recognize that it was an inflection point for the franchise, that they were needing more marketing, more connections with fans and community and things like that. Over her couple of years, there's been a little bit of build. I can't wait for that conversation that you have with her, because I think that the weaknesses that, you you highlight from True North in terms of connecting to those individuals right now are real and need to be solved. And it at least seems as though at a top level, they're devoting some resources to it. And I hope that that's encouraging for fans. But if you're them, and I can see Ted is a little box on my screen now. Hi, Ted. I won't go on for too long. But if you're True North... And you think that your customer service is bad right now, it's got to be good. If you think it's good right now, it's got to be exceptional. If you think it's great, it has to be best in class in the National Hockey League because there is a sense that there's economics affecting the building and that happens in every rink around the league right now. But this is the first time it's ever happened in Winnipeg and how you respond to it is going to say a lot about what your future is going to be in the city.
1: Yeah, I mean, it can't be about what's happened in the past. It's what they're going to do forward to make things better, to make things right with as many people as they can get back, to do a good job in trying to, you know, connect with new communities, get new people on board and kind of replenish some people that just through time won't be there long term. And um, and the bottom line is, I mean, there's a lot at stake for for so many people and Um, you know, as I said, we're going to talk more about this tomorrow and this is not a topic that's going to be going away, whether the playoffs go for two months or whether it goes for two weeks. Um, But I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to more of it. And I think that, you know, for, uh, for it's certainly, I mean, it's not a tough sell for everyone here, knowing that a healthy well-run Winnipeg hockey team um, is great for everybody involved. And um, that's hopefully where we will get to um, and for everyone that was thinking threatened or everyone that's, you know, on the war path about, you know, what's happened last day. I mean, I, I would suggest to maybe take a step back, take a deep breath and, and talk to somebody in and around there. Let your, let your comments be heard to people that actually can maybe do something about it as opposed to, um, you know, just the, the general megaphone of negativity, which we often see on, uh, on the old feed brought, this was an awesome conversation next week. I cannot wait to talk to you about uh, some playoff hockey and uh, we'll be getting ready for a home game. Presumably I'd imagine next weekend here in Winnipeg. So let's go have a great weekend. Enjoy a couple days before things, uh, things get wild here uh, in Vegas or Edmonton uh, for the local squad. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. There's Murata Tesh. Check out his latest piece. The newest one in the athletic today. Talking about the Jets going to the playoffs. All right, we are going to talk to Ted Wyman. Can't wait to have Teddy on. And I know Ted, of course, folks, if you're wondering, if you tuned in a little bit late and go, why the heck am I in a hotel room right now? Uh, I'm here in Toronto for the Princess Auto Players Championship, the second last event on the Grand Slam of Curling World Tour. Tons of great Manitoba talent. Carrie Anderson, who had a real tough morning. We'll get to that in a minute. Jennifer Jones, uh, Caitlin Laws. And uh, Reed Carruthers' monster win over the world champion Bruce Moat earlier today, as well as Maddie Dunstone, who won that Battle of Manitoba yesterday afternoon, just after the after the show. Um, really looking forward to that. We'll be live. Barring any technical issues, but I was there this morning testing it out. We will be live there tomorrow um, for Thursday's and Friday's show, so really looking forward to that. And, of course, uh, great support from our friends at Princess Auto, making it all possible. Proud sponsors of many of Manitoba's top curlers, your Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and, of course, your friends here at Winnipeg Sports Talk. And Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop by and see them at one of two Winnipeg locations, Portage Avenue West, Panit Road. And you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. And for those of you that want to check out some of this world-class curling at this Grand Slam event, the Players' Championship broadcast begin on Sportsnet tomorrow right here from Toronto in the old Maple Leaf Gardens. Uh, hey, shout out to our friends at Consolidated Supply. Next Thursday is the big grand opening, folks. Uh, we're going to be popping down there between 2 and 8. We've got to have some food trucks, refreshments, some raffles. You'll be able to check out everything that Consolidated has going on, of course. Irrigation services and options. Artificial turf. The best selection of golf carts, both new and used around. If you've got a need for one of those in the summer, Paws, pools, spas, hot tubs, and amazing outdoor kitchens as well. We will be there. I hope to see you there. Mark it down April 20th between 2 and 8 p.m. down at 1395 Niaqua Road East. You can also check out their website online at cte.ca. Well, it's official. The Jets are going to the playoffs. It's time to get the whites out, everyone. And if you're looking for... The best spot to get your uh, Jets gear for the playoffs. You know where to go. Royal Sports, Manitoba's number one sports superstore for 40 years. Family owned with the biggest and best selection of licensed team gear, including... Thousands of pieces of Jets merchandise, tons of bomber gear, NHL, NFL, and all that new Jays and Major League Baseball gear just in time for the start of the season. Spring stocks arriving daily as well for you soccer players, baseball players, softball, tennis. They've got it all. It's coming in, and not to mention a huge selection of bikes. So pop by and see it for yourself. 750 Pemina Highway. You can follow on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina. And, uh, of course, we mentioned the Jays season coming back. I'm actually taking in the Jays tonight. Looking forward to seeing the building and all the changes that they've made. What a, what a start for the Blue Jays last night with all those bombs in the home opener. Uh, great place to watch the game tonight is your local Boston pizza. No better place to watch the Jays. We've had a couple fun Jays parties, actually, at BP over the last couple of years. Uh, but pop by tonight, grab a couple ice-cold schooners, some World famous Boston Wings gourmet pizzas and all the latest stuff from the BP feature menu. And hey, if you are chilling at home tonight, getting ready for the playoffs, you can always order online and get the great taste of Boston pizza at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's get Teddy Wyman in here. Lots to talk about with Ted. What's going on, Ted? Great to have you back on the show.
0: Well, oh, there's been, you know, a few things in the news in the sports world lately, haven't there, Hus? Uh, <laughs> so I'm enjoying it. That's my favorite time is when things are going like that and the Jets have sure been it's been really interesting the last month there's no doubt about it uh, and you know you can't um, it, it's weird because I think there was this sort of sense of impending doom for a lot of fans in Winnipeg that it just wasn't going to happen because everything was going that wrong direction they really turned it around the last week and uh, I think you'll just see that excitement grow more and more through the weekend and into a, a big first round playoff series and, and I you know I've watched the playoffs for so many years in this uh, one versus eight format. And once you get there, that one and that eight don't mean that much.
1: Well, especially when you got 37 in that. I mean, he yeah. just continues to write the story. As I mean, obviously Joe Daly was the standard back in the WHA era with everything that he had done. I mean, there's nobody in 1.0 or 2.0 that really comes even close to what Connor Hellebuck has done, but he continues to write the story and be the backbone of this team. And, and I said on this show, when the Jets had lost a couple, we knew that this was really crunch time. I mean, a playoff spot was on the line that this was going to be Connor Hellebuck until further notice. Well, further notice, luckily is the final game of the season. A big save Dave can get a start because he, in a lot of ways was there giving his team the time to sort of find themselves again, which they seem to have led by a guy like Adam Lowry to get to the finish line and uh, punch that ticket to the playoffs a little later than it probably looked a couple months ago.
0: Well, you kind of look at it uh, as the season's coming down. And, and I kept thinking, like, yeah, Connor Hellbuck is a great goalie. For the Jets to do this, he's going to have to carry them in some games, and he's going to have to be better than the other guy. and And UC Saros is another Vesna candidate, and he has been incredible. He's carried Nashville as far as he did, and I thought that was just an amazing, a great moment for Hellebuck and the Jets last Saturday when Hellebuck outshone Saros, and the Jets got that big win. and 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 really, that was you know such an important game in getting them into the playoffs, uh, separating themselves from Nashville a little bit unbelievable last night like that was that was just a world-class performance by Hellebuck some of those saves were absolutely ridiculous there's some fortune in those as well but you know I mean he made it and he made it at a time when his team needed it most really you know I'm sure there aren't very many people in Winnipeg who follow the Jets no matter how they've been feeling about things lately who weren't pretty excited about that game last night because of what Hellebuck did because of the Performance from top players, uh, Mark Scheifele, the way he played, um, and and you know in in general they were very strong uh, at both ends of the ice throughout the game, and then you have that late response physically after Minnesota decided to start trying to push them around, and and you know really were running around, and there was some dirty tactics going on. I, I think that's just the kind of thing you want to see out of your team. It's it's interesting. I'm not even sure why Minnesota was going at it that hard when you think. You know, they're already in the playoffs. They're not playing Winnipeg in the first round. It seemed like they really wanted to send a message um, and at, at risk of people getting hurt, but the Jets really, I think, handled that well. They didn't do anything to get a dumb penalty that was going to cost them uh, in a game they needed to win so badly, and then they showed up when they needed to to make a response late in the game. I think that's got to be something fans uh, are, are pretty excited about.
1: Well, and, and listen, I mean, Connor Hallibuck is in a lot of ways the... Uh, the, the backbone of the team. If you want, he is the, uh, he's the ground for, he's the bricks and mortar, the basis of this hockey team. But when you talk about the heart and soul of this team, um, it's two of the guys that have letters on their, on their, uh, on their chest. I mean, Josh Morrissey's had a monster breakout season um, beyond, I think anyone's realistic expectations. And there's a few moments of the year. I mean, I really think of that game at the end of January when the team had sort of started their slide going into the all-star break where he put the team on his back in that third period of the let's and go moment. And, um, you know, he kind of showed that he is much more than maybe what we'd seen in the past and growing into a true leader. Um, But man, Ted, for my money, the Adam Lowry that we've seen snapping his 35 game streak or whatever that was without a goal, what he has done along with his line mates over the course of the last month has been so integral to the Jets' pulling themselves out of where they were and getting to this point in the season and I mean last night might be the best example of that I mean not only doing things offensively shutting down t- the other team's top lines but you know being a guy that you know will stand up for his teammates and <laughs> you can stand up against a lot of dudes they're not all Ryan Reeves and um interested in your thoughts on just what Lowry's meant to this team and and how he has been such a big part of this turnaround
0: Well, he stood up to the toughest guy in the league. He stood up to the one true heavyweight left in this league, you know. A guy who doesn't care. He's going to go out there. He's going to pummel, you know, Dylan DeMello into the boards. He should have got a penalty for it, but he's going to do it. He's going to run over Nino Niederreiter, and he's going to go out on the ice when his coach wants him too late in the game to send a message, and somebody's going to have to stand up to him. The Jets are fortunate to have a guy like Lowry who can handle that but also has tremendous, you know, I mean, he's not like, He's not Gretzky out there offensively, but he's a really great uh, player to have because he can handle himself in that offensive zone. He's very good defensively, obviously a big face off guy. And he comes with that edge, that ability to go out there and handle himself. I mean, you, you kind of know you're going to, you're risking getting pummeled by that guy because he is so tough. But what Lowry did really obviously pumped up the bench incredibly. And if you've seen that video that the jets released coming down the tunnel when uh, Lowry comes off the ice and the, uh, Brendan Dillon, who has already uh, finished with the game because of his fight, um, and Logan Stanley and a few other black aces standing there just, you know, all over him because of how much it meant for Lowry to do that, to take that on. And I mean, it's a great sign going into the playoffs because if you looked at this Jets team and thought that there was an issue going into the playoffs, it might be that if they went up against a team that had a lot of big physical players. That they might be in some trouble and and certainly i would say that minnesota is the number one team that's given them fits all year because of that and they they showed minnesota that they could hang with them and minnesota really threw everything at them it wasn't like that was some easy you know team that was resting players and the jets were going to get an easy win out of it minnesota threw everything at them uh and and including all that physical play and the jets got a real good test out of it and and they passed it so Good sign going into the playoffs for sure. And there's always an argument, Hus, that a team that's been as battle-tested as the Winnipeg Jets are right now, where every game for the last month has meant something, and and they've been watching in the rearview mirror trying to stave off Calgary, stave off Nashville, playing with that playoff kind of, well, they I don't think they did play with a playoff edge for a lot of those games, but once they kind of found it, they've been doing it, and now you're going into the playoffs with that already rolling. And that, there's definitely an argument that that's a good way to go into the playoffs.
1: Well, and, <laughs> you know, it, it is funny, Ted. I mean, we're spending all this time talking about Adam Lowry. And, I mean, for my money, the bottom six is looking as good right now as it has been at any point this year. I mean, I've, I've been a steady guy since he got called up. I think he's shown his worth certainly in the face-off dot and giving a little bit more offense, has scored in a few games, and certainly has helped at the PK. Sacramento Linen has been you know an an adequate guy but Morgan Barron right now I mean the fact that he's sort of fallen down in the lineup with the additions of Nito Niederreiter and Nemetnikov has made this team far more deeper and far more of a four-line team but let's face it we all know this team will go as far as their top players go with them uh, or take them Connor Hellebach's been leading the way we talked about Adam Lowry. But the look of these top lines is very interesting. And Mark Shipley was the guy under the biggest microscope. And I'm not sure whether the, the spotlight maybe got a little dimmer when he moved from center to the wing and playing with some two of the other top players in the league, allowing Ehlers to go with Wheeler and Demetsnikov. All I know is that you know he and his line mates have sort of found it a little bit more. But uh, I mean, I think a lot of the other pieces are in place when we get to the playoffs, whether they're going up against McDavid and the Oilers or the Vegas Golden Knights, um, that line seems to be put, it, it, on paper at least, it's as lethal as possible. They've had some ups and then they've had some downs so far. But, I mean, it's a fascinating, fascinating group to look at, particularly within sort of the the, the bigger picture with, this, uh, with just somewhat of a last dance, very likely for some players that have been here for a long time at the end of these playoffs.
0: Yeah, I mean, you consider how much... You're hearing from people about this might all get blown up if they don't make the playoffs. Well, there still might be some changes. There's no doubt we know about the Dubois situation. The Shifley situation is interesting. It's a 42-goal scorer, but you know when you disappear for 15 games like he did at an important time, there has to be questions, and, and there are questions. But as you've pointed out, you've got a lot of elements in place that are, could make a really good playoff team. You've got one of the very top goalies in the league. Nobody's going to argue that. Josh Morrissey, you know, maybe Eric Carlson has a 100 points, but all around defensively and offensively, and everything he does, I think for my money, Josh Morrissey's right there in that Norris conversation. And I think he's just been an absolutely incredible player for the Jets. A true leader has taken on you know new responsibilities and Sean while doing so. So there's a huge thing. You've got that number one goalie that you love to have. you got that number one defenseman. That you love to have, and you've got, I think, a very good top line. Uh, you'd know you'd love to have that too deep uh, center situation where both Shifley and Dubois are going, and they're anchoring their own lines. But this move seems to have made a lot of sense. What Rick Bonus did, I think, it took a lot of the responsibility away from Shifley in terms of uh, of, of where you need to be on the ice as a in. and he is playing. Uh, I, he seems to be playing much better. He's playing with more fire. There's no doubt about it. You could see it. You could see it in the Nashville game. You could see it in the San Jose game and in this game. He's just playing with some more fire. He's in there. He's he's really, you know, he's, he's getting physical. And he's doing smart things with the puck. And it is, that engagement is excellent for the Jets. to To have a guy like that who, if he's on... He's a huge value. Again, I bring it back to the 2018 playoffs. Mark Scheifele was perhaps the best player in the entire NHL during those playoffs. And if you can get that kind of game out of him, you're going to be in, in really good shape. And I think that he fits in well with Dubois, who Dubois is, in, in my opinion, I remember uh, my colleague Steve Simmons texting me after the Jets traded Lion-A for Pierre-Luc Dubois. He had just covered the Columbus-Toronto series the season before, and he said that Dubois was easily the best player in the series and that he was an absolute monster and there was nothing the Leafs could do about him. He was just unstoppable. If you get that kind of guy for the playoffs, the Jets did not have him the last time they were in the playoffs. I mean, he wasn't that type of guy. He still wasn't comfortable in Winnipeg. But if you get top Dubois in that kind of sense, he could make a real difference for this team, too. So, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to walk in and upset Edmonton or Las Vegas. I mean, it's just that's not that simple. Those are very good teams. But could they? Yeah, absolutely. They've got the mix that could be that certainly could be successful.
1: You know, and you mentioned Dubois. I'm glad you brought that up because I I am so with you. And, I mean, it might be frustrating if if you're a a fan or someone in the mix that feels that, you know, he's already punched his ticket out of town and they're going to have to worry about that. But, I mean, there's nothing that he could do to help himself, help this organization, than to go and be that player that they dreamed of getting when they traded a guy they lucked into at number two overall and have a dominant, dominant playoffs um, because it also would point out to the rest of the league the value of a player like that. And if you are forced with a gun to your head to trade him, um, it probably does a lot for the value of his, which I think is already high after the season that he has and you know the unique uh, the unique skill set that he brings to the table. Um, all of that, Ted. I mean, listen, they avoided what would have been a hor- horrific collapse in the second half of the season that I think would have really, really challenged you know, the team, the organization in a number of ways, but it's pretty clear that, you know, this is a very, very unique and a different time that we've had with this club since they came back in 2011. I'm not sure if you heard much of my conversation with Murat. We spent most of the time talking about what had happened, you know, with the game and the playoffs we did talk about it at the end i mean you're a winnipeg guy you've been covering sports in the city for a long long time just interested in your perspective on uh, the kickoff of the uh, the season ticket campaign that's quite clearly very very important to this team going forward
0: well it's funny because i was thinking about that just as you were talking has and i was thinking how differently would that message have been had the jets lost the nashville on saturday And we're no longer in control of their own. I think that's
1: probably why they waited as long. I mean, I think it's very clear that this is something that they have wanted to get in front of for a while. But when the team played the way that it did for that long, they really weren't in a position to. I mean, to be honest, I really think that a big part of it was to try to be in a positive space when they launched it and hopefully capitalize on people saying, you know what, I would maybe thought about going back or I thought about going to season tickets and, oh, I'll have priority for playoff tickets and maybe I'll have a benefit of that and try and take advantage. I mean, you've got to take advantage of everything you can in the situation that they're in. And, I mean, to be honest, the team didn't do them a lot of favors over the six weeks or so leading up to it when I'm sure they wanted to do it. That being said, here we are. The team is in the playoffs. But just from, from a big picture, as a guy that's covered Winnipeg sports for a long time, what, was, uh, well, what are you thinking when you see that?
0: Well, I mean, I, I, type, I try to gauge the fan reaction. So, you know, I hear from friends. I hear from people on Twitter. I, I read emails as to how they react to it. Now, you know this city, there is sometimes a propensity for people to act negatively to things. And I think there was certainly some backlash against what they read into that uh, video and that, that that launch of the campaign, because it does sound like, you know, you gotta come through as fans or else we're not gonna be here anymore. And I mean, I think that's a bit of a, it's a tough thing for fans to absorb. There's been a lot going on in the world, obviously. It, it really, it goes back to the COVID season uh, with no fans in the stands where I think a lot of people realized you can sit home and watch a game on TV and, you know what, it's not that bad and it didn't cost me X amount of dollars. And and I think there's a lot of people that stayed away because of that. I think there were others that, you know, there's a chance there were some people that were put off because of, uh, you know, vaccination requirements in, the, in previous season. Uh, there's, you know, there's people that just don't have that same kind of accessible money to just uh, do that every night a season ticket is not a not a cheap <laughs> proposition so i think that that it it's a, maybe a bit of a wake-up call you know i think the jets they're tried to do it as subtly as they could Be, remember what happened right it did happen now the crowds were a lot lower back in uh, 2005 2006 than they are now The arena was not a profitable building. It was almost impossible for the team to make any revenue outside of just hockey. They didn't have this amazing TV deal that they have now. And the organization didn't have the kind of value that it has now. And that value has grown immensely since Mark Chipman and David Thompson bought the team. And it's grown to this point. So there has to be an expectation on ownership to work through this, obviously you know you can't just say the fans have to do this they have to be there or else we can't be here but you know i I think it's an important message to get out now that there there could be trouble in the future if if this isn't addressed soon and the jets haven't done a ton of marketing over their decade since they came back to winnipeg because they didn't really need it if you have fourteen thousand people on your waiting list who who are you marketing it to now they have to and i you know i maybe a smack of desperation in there, in my opinion, because maybe it took too long to get to this point where they understand that now they really have to start selling. It's not just automatic anymore. And then there's the on-ice performance. The, you see people in this town. You know it, Huss. You've been here your whole life, too. You know what people are like in this town. When things aren't going well, they're not dying to be a part of it. <laughs> and 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 they weren't. Uh, for quite a few games this season and and when it was looking really bad towards this playoff I mean you could kind of understand why people would sort of be washing their hands of it this is a great thing that they got in the playoffs and I think it can get the momentum back it can bring the whiteouts to downtown it can definitely build up that love that the people have for the Winnipeg Jets in this city but will that get them to dig into their pockets and buy season tickets going forward that's hard to say but you know I guess it's it's in their heads now. People know it. People are aware that there's a need, and uh, and and that there may be a need to step up here. I I will really really be interesting to see how people react
1: with yeah, their money. No. Well, I, I, exactly, because I mean, it's one thing that you know, the talk is cheap uh, at the end of the day, and um, you know, it, it takes a lot. And this goes back to my conversation with Marad. I mean, I've been there for a long time. I've had those conversations. It's one thing to say, "Yeah, support the team, come to a game." It's another thing to say hit me with that deposit. This is how much the seats are. This is, you know, come in. These are where your seats are. This is what you're going to be a part of. And listen, I I, I've said it over and over again. And I know this, I mean, not, this is not for me working there a long time ago. This is not for me knowing some people in the organization. This is for me as a season ticket holder. And we've heard it over and over for a lot of people. I I think they really did lose their way for a while because of the things that you've mentioned and whatever the reasons for it, we can call it short sighted or, or, or whatever. Um, there's a ton of work to do within that organization right now to win back some of the people that they've lost and start building within a next generation of jet fans that are probably now in the in an area of their life where they have the ability to buy in as season ticket holders and whether it's a quarter of a season or half or whatever. and um, there's nothing that'll help it in the short term more than you know playing great on the ice and getting that playoff excitement before. but you know as we've sort of uh, delved into, Um, there's a lot of work and a lot of those conversations are going to end up happening one-on-one. I'm sure that, you know, with the kickoff with the business community yesterday with uh, what Mark had to say was maybe a bit of an eye opener, but um, it's going to take a lot of work and it's going to take some self reflection, which I I hope that has happened already. um, Because at the end of the day, uh, I think we all know, I mean, anyone that was here in between 1996 and 2011 knows what a difference our city is being in the National Hockey League than not. Um, but realistically, um, you know, if uh, if the building is going to be half full going forward and they're losing tons of money, I mean, what are you doing, right? So, um, but I don't think that was at all the message. But uh, to your point, I mean, I think it does make some people sort of sit back and, and realize it. But there's a lot that comes on. I mean, this is not, and I know some people want to portray it, that it is all on the fans or that's what the message was. I personally don't believe that. Um, but again, the truth is going to be what happens throughout this summer and how well they do a job of, um, whether it's making up for mistakes in the past, doing things in a different way. Um, there's a lot riding on it. Um, certainly for everyone, uh, whether you're a fan, whether you're someone, you know, with the downtown business, whether you're at true North, um, and, uh, and, you know, and I understand the passion that it gets uh, going with uh, with people. Um, I'm certainly one of those people as well. Ted Wyman's with us from the Winnipeg Sun. Teddy, before we go, um, I'm actually here in Toronto. I was just checking out some of the, uh, and we're going to be doing the shows at the, uh, the, the Grand Slam. Well, I mean, listen, you're the curling guy right now. But, uh, what, like, listen, great support of Princess Auto. They're a great Winnipeg company. They do a lot in curling. And, um, of course, with Jennifer Jones and Reed Carruthers. Uh, being part of theirs, this is a a big, big event. I'll be honest. I mean, I'm sort of the curling guy that follows the Manitoba stuff and obviously follows the big events, the Scotties and the Briar and the World Championships. It's been a real eye-opener being here checking out the Grand Slam. I mean, at one point yesterday, there was four rinks going on right now. You had Rachel Holman on one. Brad Gushu on the next one, Carrie Anderson on the others, and two of the top teams in the world on the next one. I mean, it really is a uh, uh, it was a real eye opener for me getting all of these teams together, and it's so much better having the men and the women playing
0: in all draws. Well, and they do it six times a year, so. <laughs> but it really is a who's who of uh, of the best curlers in the in the world. Really, um, my only issue ever with it has been that the there's a saturation of the curling market you've had just all these big events and you've had the world I, you know it still seems to do really well and it does well on tv but i you know they're they to me there's got to be um it, this it's a long season like they're starting now with big events in se- september now yeah. and now you're going into late april and i think there's even still one more grand slam in may so you wonder if you just need to move the schedule around and try to find the pick the spots a little better but I think the Grand Slam has it all figured out you know I mean they're they've got great TV coverage they've got the best players in the world there you've got teams that even are sort of you know in their restructuring mode from the end of their uh their season of champion season and then but you might see a little bit different of a team here at the Grand Slams and it sure makes it interesting um, with all those different players and it's like you said to have all of those great players on the ice at the same time, if you're a curling fan that wants to go sit in the building and watch, you know, that's a real win. You're not going to see that anywhere else, really, because um, always the men's and women's events are separated in, in you know, in the Curling Canada uh, season champions. But um, again, you you know, you, you've got teams there even right now, like Gushu and um, and, and Team Mau and, and all those ones that are, they've just been in the World Championship. <laughs> and now you come back, and now you're playing in this event, which is, uh, it's so different, right? It's eight ends. Uh, they're playing for big money. It's, it's highly competitive. It's kind of like golf majors almost, you know, the way that they do it. And it makes for a really entertaining situation. And, I, you know, it's been a really incredible curling season this year. I can't remember too many years where there was more, Interesting news. Uh, there's just well, been so much and, and you get now it all comes together at the end with something like that. Hey,
1: speaking of that, because I mean, you truly are the insider. I mean, the guy, I, mean, I sort of get into it and we kind of follow the, the Manitoba teams and let people know how they're doing. And by the way, Reed Carruthers and the boys beat world champion, Bruce Muat this morning, seven, six and a big, big win. Brad so Jacob's
0: did, now on, on board. Well,
1: I was just about to ask you, it did not go as well for Carrie though. I was um, recording and testing some stuff for the show tomorrow they, you know, they gave up two in the first end, and I look over, and they gave up a steal of four in the second, and we're down seven zips. So I don't think that one ended up well for them. But you mentioned Brad Jacobs. I just quickly want to hit you with a couple because one of the things that got the most traction curling-wise on this show was last year's offseason with the yeah. – I mean, it was like the free agent frenzy. Yeah. Curling was the place with the free agent frenzy. Rick Carruthers has Brad Jacobs now playing as his third – Um, Mike McEwen's got a new team and I think he's going to be out of Saskatchewan if I'm not mistaken. And then from a women's side, the latest news from yesterday, Mackenzie Zacharias stepping away from team Jones.
0: Yeah. I wish I could give you more insider information on that. I've not been able to talk to Mackenzie Zacharias. Not sure exactly what's uh, gone on there other than what we heard from the statement. I did talk to Jennifer Jones today. She said that, uh, you know, that Mackenzie had come to them, rest of them and said that she really did have uh you know that she wanted to get her career started she's just finishing up university and wanted to to focus on that and see if she could get that going and for at least a year I asked Jen would you know what are your what are the odds that Mackenzie's coming back to the team after a year And she said I just don't know we we don't know what that looks like so um very interesting curious and her sister's still on
1: the team right what's that McKenzie's sister is still a yeah, part of the team. Yeah, she'll still
0: be a part of it. And the beauty of it is that they were a four-player, five five-player team, so they still have a full team that can certainly go out there and be successful. Uh, uh, Mackenzie was throwing second stones last year and acting as the vice. Uh, I think Carly Burgess can do that very well uh, as well. Um, so it's a it's a really interesting situation because I, you know, I viewed and maybe still do Mackenzie Zacharias as the next great Scotties champion you know the way i was envisioning it for her career is that she'll be what's the word i'm looking for she'll be mentored by jennifer jones for a few years jennifer jones is not going to play much longer after this she's you know she's 48 now uh i think she's in for this uh olympic quadrennial but i don't i think after that it it will almost certainly be time for Mackenzie Zacharias to come back and take the the reins, And I I envisioned her winning some Scotty's championships and maybe contending for world titles. I I really did and probably still do, but I'm not sure exactly what her situation is when it's this, you know, wanting to focus on her career a bit at this point. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, how that shakes out. But again, um, they have this opportunity. I think it can still be a very strong team without her they lost the scotties final this year and i and so i think that'll probably be something just to keep an eye on down the road you mentioned the mike McEwen thing i had a great conversation with him because he was like i thought i'd be in manitoba for the rest of my life you know I, i played 20 years here i thought i'd always wear manitoba colors and then all of a sudden he's off playing in ontario and then now that team's broken up and he's gone off to, and he's going to play out of Saskatchewan. So so he could play in the Briar in three straight years for different provinces, which would be certainly very interesting. But, um, you know, he at this point in time, it's getting closer and closer to these residency rules not mattering, not applying. Um, and, and these players, I think, should be always in a position where they can go and find the best possible team to be a part of. And I, and Mike said he was worried when Ryan Fry left his Ontario team. He thought, you know, well, who am I going to find to play with now that can contend? And he was pretty happy when Colton Flash gave him a call.
1: Yeah, well, it, is, uh, <laughs> it really is interesting. And, of course, the kid that did go to Saskatchewan from Winnipeg, Maddie Dunstone, is back with the team that is a handful for pretty much everyone. And they had that great run with uh, – um, match up with Reed yesterday uh, winning um, curling fans pop. And we'll probably have, have some additional content on the channel, hooking up with some of the curlers um, from uh, my time here. But uh, Teddy, great stuff as always, man. Can't wait for the playoffs. And uh, hopefully we can do this again soon. Really appreciate your time and looking forward to talking bombers with you coming up very
0: soon oh, as well. Even that's coming up now too. So uh, it's always great when the jet season kind of like, works its way right into you know the bomber season because that that you know then that there's been some success so uh <laughs> that'll be very interesting and um i'm i'm very much looking forward to uh all of this i mean i it, as a sports guy you can't love anything more than the nhl playoffs it's just uh it's fantastic so no doubt about thanks it thanks <laughs> as always and have a great show today and we'll talk to you again appreciate you dude
1: there is my man ted wyman from the winnipeg sun all right we uh Hey, we had lots to talk about today. Went a little bit long. Uh, just before I get Remo back in here, I'm really pumped for this Jays game tonight. I'm going to go to be, to check out the new stadium, and I just got a text from a friend. It might be Vladimir Guerrero Jr. bobblehead night. I'll uh, let you know whether I'm able to grab one of those tonight. Uh, one thing is we'll probably have a couple cold ones. Unfortunately, being uh, out of the province, probably won't be any little brown jug, but that'll be ready for the playoffs when we're back on Sunday night. Of course, if you haven't already tried it, check out the new generic lager they just launched. Your basic lager, just better, impressively standard in the best way. Light and clean to taste with a mellow flavor and a crisp finish. Now Manitoba can support local without having to move away from the domestic taste they had come to expect with the light beer. Available in eight packs or by the can through the tap room and through vendors. And look for it at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts as well. Uh um, we did do a lock shop today, getting our picks for the RBC Heritage. Check that on our YouTube channel at Lock Shop Bets. Going to be interesting to see an elevated event the week after the Masters. So uh, John Rahm's there, Scheffler's there, just talking about everyone with Rory. And not too sure why Rory had to bail on this event. I'm sure that'll come out. Uh, but hey. For Winnipeg and Manitoba golfers, we're just happy the snow is leaving. We're going to get courses open soon. If you're thinking about a great golfing home for you and your family, check out Breezy Bend Country Club, one of Manitoba's top private clubs with a championship course, top-notch practice facilities, and the best 19th hole around on their beautiful course side patio. Great men's, ladies, and junior programs. Great perfect long-time home for you and your family. Find out more at breezybend.ca. Give our pal Corey Johnson a call for more info about becoming a member. And I'm uh, also looking forward to getting out to Aikens Lake. All of these, my favorite three or four days of the year. If you are thinking about a world-class fishing getaway where you can be on the water in just a couple hours from the city of Winnipeg, Aikens Lake is the spot. A perfect Corporate outing. If you're looking maybe to get some customers or a team building event that you haven't been able to do in years, talk to our good friend Pitt. They're already now about 85% booked for the season. So I would act now. Find out more at AkinsLake.com. And if any university students are listening to this right now and looking for an incredible summer job, they are looking for a few more guides and servers for the upcoming summer. Uh, I guarantee I'm always envious of the summers those kids have being out there all year long. You can send a uh, an, a resume uh, or find out more to pit P-I-T, at AkinsLake.com. Can't wait to get out there a little later on this summer. All right, let's get Remo back in here. Remo, did you hear what I just mentioned? I just got a text from Dom that said tonight's game is Vlad bobblehead night.
2: Oh, actually, you're getting are you going there early for it?
1: Well, now that I know this information, I think that may very well change my plans before the game. We were going to go have a few somewhere around the stadium, but uh, it, I may have to get earlier. I mean, a Vlad bobblehead, you know I'm a big bobblehead guy. That would be an incredible addition to the collection. Oh, man. Yeah, that's, man, you got to make sure you get it.
2: Uh, let, me, let me double check this. I, just was, I asked you when you said you were going to the game, like, are you going to the upper deck to play the video games there? They got this new renovated stadium with, Retro
1: seats games, are in, like who- our seats are, our seats are in two hundred four, Um, and I think, and the guy said, I think we might be meeting at one of the new areas in the park beforehand. So anyways, all of a report, all of a report on the ballpark tomorrow. And I'm actually going with Patty and Jake from cool Bet, So I'm really looking forward to seeing them in person. It's been a minute since I was rolling around Qatar with Jake at the world cup in uh, November and December. Uh, but a perfect segue is, into the cool bet lines and uh Remo if you wouldn't mind get them up and fill us in on uh, what the line is for the Jays tonight I can't tell you if you go to the cool bet exclusives I have put together a uh, little lock shop exclusive by the way shout out to everyone that emailed me or DM would me this morning for our winner yesterday the over in the Jersey game and we had Vancouver and Vegas another winner we've been hot 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 this week 2-0 and with the daily picks hopefully that continues. Because I'm taking the Jays on the run line tonight. Uh, but also got a couple pitching props in. Bobochett over one and a half total bases at plus 325. But uh, no doubt that the Jays are a pretty big favorite in this game with Gossman on the hill playing against the Tigers.
2: Yeah, I'm just pulling it up here. Uh, the Jays, yes, minus 213 favorites. So that seems to be uh, pretty significant uh, tonight. That's actually uh, tomorrow's game. I think go up. You passed. Oh, it, is that tomorrow? It, like, oh, here I couldn't find tonight. Yeah, I, I couldn't figure out why I couldn't see any of the props. Sorry, minus two seven eight. It's even bigger favorite. Even bigger favorite uh, today over Detroit. Looking at some I saw props. The,
1: I, I saw the Gosman uh, strikeout prop was six and a half. We're going to take it down to five and a half on that exclusive. But uh, uh, plenty of props there uh, if you uh, want to jump on something and uh, for uh, for the Jays game tonight. Uh, and it's all, of course, all there at Cool Bad. As far as the NHL goes, there's just three games tonight in the league. And Reem, I told you that, I mean, I had a 5 a.m. flight yesterday. I was running around and up all day. I struggled to stay up until the end of the jet game. And I was solely focused on the Jets and Wild last night and then crashed. I did not know until we were doing the lock shop yesterday that the Pittsburgh Penguins lost at home with their playoff spot on the line to the Chicago Blackhawks. That honestly might be the most stunning loss I can remember in recent NHL history. They were a minus 525 favorite. That I think that's the biggest favorite we've had in the league at any point this season. I don't know if you caught any of that game at all, but I mean I I, I have not seen highlights. I did not know. I am just absolutely stunned and now Florida is in. Paul Maurice and the Panthers get ready for the playoffs. And Pittsburgh's going to have to hope that the Islanders lose their final game to allow Pittsburgh to leapfrog them. And what a crazy way for the Pittsburgh Penguins' season to end if they, in fact, do lose on account. Much similar to the Calgary Flames who lost at home to the Blackhawks last week, which really put them in a very tenable, uh, tenuous position.
2: Yeah, I was so focused on the Jets. You know, I didn't really see you know that Florida clinched the playoffs until like late in the evening. And Pittsburgh, you know, I took, um, you know, a bunch of their guys on DraftKings. I took the Crosby line and the Malkin line thing. Okay, one of these lines is going to go oh. off here against Chicago, and, um, which is, you know, I had other good picks. So it was really unfortunate those guys didn't do well. But it's shocking that they lost to Chicago, um, who played spoiler. And I think Pittsburgh, a lot of comments on, you know, their bottom six not scoring and signing some of these, you know, Malkin and Latang in the offseason, these long contracts. I'm curious what's going to happen with them. I know people unhappy with Ron Hextall's work as GM. Um, they're an interesting, you know, organization. How they, you know, try to hang on to this Crosby Malkin Latang era going forward, and of course, they do have, you know, some goaltending questions too. And just as far as Crosby, I think he's having one of the more underrated seasons. Was he a point per game players? Guys been going for it like uh, almost 20 years um i mean this guy one of the greatest lost at home to
1: the blackhawks with the playoffs on the line all they needed to do was beat chicago and columbus (laughs) how how did that happen like i'm not a penguins fan i'm a big fan of crosby and malkin i mean they've been um you know basically one of the great teams and the top players of this era Anyways, that is as nuts. Uh, Heritage, odds, NHL, Major League Baseball, it's all up at Coolbet. And you can also, for you curling fans, if you want to sprinkle on the uh, Princess Auto Players Championship, you can do that as well over at Coolbet. Uh, and if you haven't already, use the promo code WST on your first deposit for a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks. You just mentioned Hartman Ream, and I know we're over time right now, but there's no game tonight. We've got a couple minutes here before we're done. Ryan Hartman did get suspended today for one game. So he's got to miss the last game of the regular season. Who cares? But at least it costs him a little bit more than the, the old $2,500 fine. Um, but I just noticed that you've actually got a couple of clips from Hartman and Everson. So let's wrap this show by putting a little bow on this. Uh, well, certainly refired up rivalry between the Winnipeg jets and the, uh, and the Minnesota wild and, if we can, let's just get these clips 12 through 15 and talk about that quickly on the way out, because uh, I'd like to hear it too. What Hartman had to say about his cheap shot on Nikolai Ehlers that got him suspended for a game today by NHL player safety. How much was your hit there, and how kind of a response to what happened before that?
3: I mean, I had the, I, I have the puck, and um, I got to brace myself somehow when he's coming at me. Um, so, had nothing to do with really not much going on it's uh you know i had the puck and you know if, if i didn't touch the puck i wouldn't uh made an effort to brace myself
1: well he did not have <laughs> the puck when he hit, nicked <laughs> like, how, how that did, is just, like how does he say that with a straight face i well, just he say did, that he didn't have the straight face at the start and then he kind of realized i guess this is all on video i better uh Oh my God! Listen, I cannot wait to play those guys again the next time these two teams meet. You could only pray that it happens in this. Um, but there was one more from Hartman on a playoff-like atmosphere for his club, despite the uh, BS that he just gave us about his cheap shot on Nikolai Ehlers. It was a really important game for them,
3: um, with where they're at in the standings. Um, you know, it's uh, you know every time we play them, obviously. Uh, last time we played him curl went down and um you know they seem to target him sometimes so sometimes you gotta gotta make a statement
1: yeah well put it this way that one that one i don't think helped him in the pocketbook because that statement of anything um maybe maybe cost him some money Uh, of course talking about the logan stanley as you've referred to it as the bonsai drop um but, I mean, that was just an awkward play. I don't think – listen, when one of your top players gets hurt, obviously you're ticked off, and I'm sure they would have been running Logan Stanley all night if he was actually in the lineup. Um, but, man, you talk about a uh, an eye-for-an-eye eye mentality of the Minnesota Wild, and um, a lot of people very, very incensed on the Winnipeg Jets side, including Rick Bonus. Uh, let's hear uh, – we've got two clips from uh, from Dean Ebison. Uh, the coach, who was the uh, the subject of some serious ire from Rick Bonus, I believe the term we saw was "Bush League" a number of times. Uh, here's what Evans and S- Evans had to say about uh, deciding that Ryan Reeves was the right guy to put out with 25 seconds left in the game.
3: It's a two goal lead. We got what 30 seconds left. We we always put our so called fourth line on the ice. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Make these answers
1: get the fuck out of here! Oh, give me a break. Okay, let's one more from Everson. Here's here's how he. I can't wait for this one again. I haven't heard these before. Here's evison's take on the the Hartman hit on Ealers. I wonder if it's as as fun as and as an insulting to our intelligence as what Hartman had to say. Here's the coach of the Wild. What
4: did you when Hartman's hit there in it was like.
1: I think something happened before that too,
4: right?
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. So again, so basically this was a retaliatory cheap shot because Kirill Kaprizov got hurt by Logan Stanley. Basically just admitted to it right there.
2: Was he saying something happened right before? No, he said right before. It was when Ehlers like Something before that. No, no, no. And then he
1: said, you mean with Kirill? And he'd go, yeah.
2: I thought he was talking about when Ehlers went and like kind of shouldered him him. him when he had the puck, you know, a hockey play and oh, then oh, Ehlers, the body smallest contact guy in the there jets. was
1: actual book,
2: <laughs> and right, like it's it, that was crazy to watch and you know we didn't even a lot of people have been talking about the Ryan Reeves um hit on Dylan Demello which you know wasn't really shown on hadn't posted on social media i took the time to post it on the Winnipeg sports talk account and if there was any more evidence i mean we already know evidence that they just go by what happens on the result of the hit rather than the action for player safety and discipline. Um, a guy, you look at that hit, a guy who jumps at Dylan DeMello into the corner. I mean, DeMello saw him and was able, to, that was bracing yourself.
1: Play it again, play hit. it again in case people, do you have it there? you want
2: me to show this hit? Sure, I'll just show it. I try not to show yeah, just... highlights on here because uh, YouTube doesn't like that, but um, we might get a DMCA. I'll show it anyways. Whatever. It's a very quick here's, one. This is a quick one. Ready? Here's, here's the hit. And Get in. In. Get there.
1: Outrageous!
2: Like you can see so him cool. leave his feet, no call, no hearing. And so it's because he got up and was fine. I mean, if he stays down and leaves the game, which he very well could have based on just where you're hitting the guy, going like, I mean, he's going to play the puck, stops up. And, like, his face first into the boards. Ooh, crunch.
1: That is brutal. That, thank God Dylan DeMello's okay and a pretty tough customer. And just watching and listening to all this again, I really wish Brendan Dillon hadn't held up and beat the living piss out of Ryan Hartman when he absolutely could have at the end of the game when that melee went on. That being said, to hell with the Wild. Who cares? It's about the Vegas Golden Knights or the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, I guess we really won't find out about that until tomorrow night, Reem, because as we just went through on the cool bet lines, the only games tonight in the NHL are the uh, Habs Islanders, that Islanders win and in scenario at home against uh, Montreal. Dallas is at St. Louis. That means nothing for St. Louis. Dallas, I guess, still jockeying for playoff position. And the Sharks and Flames, and that one is a lottery bowl when it comes to uh, what's happening. I mean, there, there are still a few things that will be determined: who wins the um, the the uh, the division with the Canes, the Devils. They're one eleven, one ten, so that will be determined tomorrow night, and the Florida Panthers. If they win their final game, we'll be seventh and we'll play the winner of that division. Otherwise, it'll be the Atlantic. That's the Metropolitan, the Atlantic, Boston Bruins. Um, And listen, if you're Florida, I think you'd really like to avoid the Boston Bruins. I think everyone would like to avoid the Boston Bruins. Uh, Well, with the exception of the 16 teams that would take it that aren't playing in the playoffs. But... Pittsburgh, man, one game left, 90 points going to be left out. If the Islanders win tonight, that is wild. Uh, And then the Vegas Golden Knights need a point uh, uh, tomorrow night to secure first place and a home ice throughout the playoffs. And if that is the case, they'll take on the Winnipeg Jets. If they lose tomorrow and the Oilers win, be an all Canadian matchup in round one between the Jets and the Edmonton Oilers. Um, All right. We've gone long. Shout out to everyone that's been with us. A huge show. I knew we'd have a big one uh, last night, and we're just getting going, folks. Playoffs start next week. Uh, we can. Uh, I guess it'll be two more days. It'll be Friday before we actually have clarity on the matchup. Um, but Ken Weeb's going to join us tomorrow on the show from Denver. And I know we talked a little about it with a couple of the guests. I didn't want to get too into it on the program, but we will talk more about the Forever Winnipeg campaign and uh, the season ticket push, the Winnipeg Jets have started coinciding with their return to the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I imagine we'll get some information on playoff ticket info and whatnot from when Christina Litz joins us tomorrow around one50 do not miss it. Uh, by the way, we are pushing. We are very close to 9,000 subs. We've been waiting for this for a while. If you haven't already, hit that red subscribe button, people. We greatly appreciate your support. Shout out to SK and Stan for the very generous super chats. We really appreciate it. And uh, listen, I uh, because, as I said, I don't have the extra screen here on the road, I've missed quite a bit of the chat, but I know that it's been popping all day long. So thanks to everyone for their feedback and all of their comments on the program we're looking forward to talking to you about it tomorrow. Uh, We'll be uh, live from the Grand Slam of Curling, the Princess Auto Players Championship here in downtown Toronto. And I'll let you know uh, about this Blue Jays game tonight, how the new ballpark changes look. And uh, if I'm lucky, we'll have a Vlad Bobblehead to show off tomorrow. We'll see about that. Anyways, we got to get these pods up. Thanks to everyone that joined us today. Big shout out to all of our sponsors that make the program happen. And of course, our guest, the great Murata Tesh, and Teddy Drip himself, Ted Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun. Have a great one, everyone. Enjoy the night, and we'll see you tomorrow. Don't you miss it, 1 p.m. we got a date right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Oh, my God! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home!
3: Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily.